Hello, everybody. I know it's been a while, but I'm back. I'm here with episode five of the I Gotta Ask podcast. And my guest on today's show was a gentleman by the name of Brennan Galley. And uh, Brennan is a super guy. If you don't know Brennan, um, um, let me tell you, he is second to none. He's super nice. Um, he It was easier for him for me to go to his place this time. Usually I do it um, in my home studio, which is really just a spare bedroom in my house. But uh, this time it was easier for me to get to him. So I went over to his place. And we sat down and the conversation started immediately. It was like, it was the first time I'd really sat down with him one-on-one, but it felt like, you know, we were old friends. It was just, he was an easy guy to talk to. He's very, very welcoming and inviting. And he's super smart with with music stuff. Um, He currently works for a company that produces uh, multiple um, uh, electronic, or I should say digital, instruments and uh, his main projects right now are MPC Live which is uh, an electronic sampling um, music creating device and then he's also got the Headrush pedal board which is very interesting to me as a guitar player because it's it's one of the first digital guitar pedal boards um, that I think I can get behind because it really uh, emulates the tones that uh, the tube amps the warm tube amps have um, and which is something that I've always loved to use because of how they sound. So um, he's definitely working for a company that's that's innovative, and uh, he knows a ton about this stuff. And it was awesome to listen to him talk about it. And we talked about a bunch of different stuff too about um, our hometown and changes to um, our hometown and what they mean for the future of the city. And uh, we just had a great time. He's a super easy guy to talk to. So. Um, Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and roll the uh, intro music, and then we'll get to our conversation with Brennan, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I like talking to him. Thanks. All right. Hello, and thank you for listening to episode five of the I Gotta Ask podcast. My guest today is uh, Brennan Galley. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thank good, you, man. Yeah. Thank you for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, yeah, it's you know, they've been fun so far, and I knew if I had you on, it couldn't be anything but fun, because the last time I talked to you was at the, we bumped into each other at the Hot Kid Show, mm-hmm. and we immediately started talking about gear, which, right. like, I love talking about gear, even though I don't know a whole ton about gear, huh. other than guitar stuff, really. Um it was nice to have a conversation with somebody that liked to talk about that stuff. Yeah, I love that shit. Yeah, <laughs> Instead sure. of like geeking out with somebody that just like, you know, you see their eyes roll back in their head, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you right off the hop. You also go by Fierce Mule under all your all your social media stuff. It's mm-hmm. Brennan Galley and then it's Fierce Mule. Yeah. What's the Fierce Mule all about? I know you had like a Fierce Mule productions thing back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Or is that still going on? Yeah, it still goes on. So I, I invented that back in, uh, in college. I had to... Uh, I had to create a, an email address for myself and all the combinations of my name were like taken up by that point. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I decided Fierce Mule because why not, right? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's been my studio name, sort of what I do everything under right. since then. So yeah, and this this is like the current rendition, like the, the Fierce Mule Frequency Factory is okay. the, like where I do all the work, now, right. which is just my home, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you work, I think I was listening to something where you talked about working with red track pants. 
Oh yeah, that was that was my uh, my first record yeah. that I ever did. Because yeah. you know those guys, like I grew up with those guys, right? Like oh those, yeah, I didn't know that. Mike Gagne cool. was like my best friend. Like we went to grade huh. school together in high school, That's and badass, of course yeah. I met Jonathan through him. Like later on, um, in high school, and and of course Randy is Mike's brother. So yeah, when I heard that you worked with them, I thought that was kind of cool. But you know what I mean? Yeah, that that was my first record that I think I ever did. Right? Like it was it was uh, it was just like I I took a tower over to the Gagne house, yeah. right, and uh, and set up in their basement and and yeah and just like recorded their stuff and it didn't really turn out that great i didn't really know too much well i mean so, but but i mean their performances were yeah. awesome but like it was definitely like yeah. not yeah it was like <laughs> me sort of learning what but i kind of feel was. like that's what they were going for yeah you know? that, that was their thing right like they were totally ridiculous <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah they were a lot of a lot of fun they were a very fun band and, and even still like the stuff that they do is is really great right yeah. like mike gagne was playing with uh Dan Allen for a bit from and the Scarlet Leo Nine and oh, yeah. uh, and they had a jam space in Toronto and uh, yeah it was just a ridiculous fun band yeah. to uh, I got to jam with them one time so cool they actually their jam space was like this uh, it was a a truck um, like sort of storage area yeah so, um, but it had been abandoned so there was like tons of different like jam spaces available there okay. and so I got to go and hang out and play and do do stuff with them so cool so yeah but like yeah we were very young we were in our early 20s when we did that record and, yeah and then I thought oh I should learn how this stuff actually <laughs> does things before I take on new yeah. artists right so yeah so yeah well that's kind of like you know the other thing I wanted to ask you is how you really got into all this stuff because I was looking at I was looking at your Facebook page actually just earlier today and I see you've got all these different companies that you've worked for and I mean you're not that old you're not like you're around my age so mm-hmm. it's probably within the last 10 years you've worked for like five or six different companies is that right it, well sort of so so I have like I, I worked for Avid like previously right. which is like the Pro Tools people right yeah yeah and Avid video and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. um, and I got I got that gig because I worked in a music store for a bit and then I just like specialized on Pro Tools and so uh, when they had a job available, they sort of knew what I was up to and then mm-hmm. just like brought me into their situation. Right. Um, but yeah, like the rest of the the job, like like companies that I've worked for, it's actually under one umbrella. So it's... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so there's like in music is like the parent company and then there's like a ton of different gotcha. brands that, gotcha. that are, you know, part of that, that group. So, okay. so yeah, so it looks like, well, you know, it is, uh, I'm responsible for a lot of brands, right? Yeah. Like I have to know a lot of stuff about yeah. a lot of gear. So, yeah, yeah totally. And that's, that's kind of like what I was thinking. And I, and I, I half thought that for a second and then I thought all these companies can't all be associated, but it sounds mm-hmm. like they are. Yeah, so. they totally, it, yeah. it's a singular owner who owns all of them. Right. Uh, but he treats every company as their own individual. So every company has their own like product manager and, and you know, product right. team. But then there is like some cross pollination. If there's stuff that, yeah. that one company does extremely well, then they will share that technology with others so that they, the products are, right. are much better, but also like much more affordable as well. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. Like they have a office in Rhode Island and it's sort of like just a, a hub, like just an area for people to uh, go and research and develop ideas. And yeah, it's an amazing space. In Rhode sure. Island, you said? Yeah, it's in Rhode Island. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they have their headquarters there and, and all of the product development really happens there. So. Right. 
um, like two or three times a year, I get to go down and meet with the people that are making gear and then sort of like see what they're working on and then offer suggestions. And like, you know, it's really, it's cool. It's a very cool company. Is that how you got hooked up with like the head rush stuff? Because I know, yeah. like, you, I've seen a lot of stuff with, like, the MPC Live stuff and mm-hmm. the Newmark um, stuff, like, and that kind of stuff. But I haven't seen much from you on the way of the the um, head rush pedal. Right, yeah. So are you, uh, like, is that sort of more of, like, a side thing for you and more of somebody else's baby? or? I know uh, that. That's definitely, like, a product that I'm, I'm yeah. focusing on. So okay, I, I've, cool. been, I've been touring with it. I actually have one, like, in that, that bag oh, yeah, right nice. there. Um, and, uh, Dan Evans and I, we shot a video last week, like uh-huh. early in the week. And so that will be eventually put oh, up cool. onto the okay. website and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so that, that's been a very big current focus that and like the, the Denon DJ SC 5000, which right. is right there, which right. is a really cool, like controller with its own like yeah. ability to analyze tracks. It's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then as you said, like lots of MPC stuff too. So, right. um, but it always, it, it changes, right? Like that, that's the thing is that it's, uh, they come out with so many products that there's always something new to talk about. Like it's, yeah. uh, yeah, there's always some like new cool piece of gear. Sure. Um, and the stuff that they make, like it's, uh, it's innovative. Like everything that comes out, there's never been a version that quite does what that thing does, you right. know? And so it, it's a really... Yeah, it's a cool company. It's people that are just striving to make musicians' lives yeah, easier. Yeah, it seems yeah. that way, man. Like, all the stuff you put out, all your videos, like, the MPC Live stuff really um, uh, is really awesome to me because you're doing it in cool places. Like, that Bay of Fundy vi- video, the uh, performance, it was really cool, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. And I just... I couldn't figure out, I'm like, how is he powering that thing? And then I realized that it's got its own power source. Right. It's got a battery built in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So how long did it take you to figure, that's, I really wanted to get into that MPC live thing with you because I'm such not like an electronic music guy. You know what Mm. I mean? Like I can appreciate it. Um, My buddy Josh is is heavy into it. He really likes making beats and things like that. Mm -hmm. But for me, like I've always been more traditional band kind of guy. I've been a guitar player my whole, not my whole life, but majority of my life. Right. So... How long did it take you to get like proficient with that stuff? Because you yeah. seem very comfortable with it, like in yeah, your videos. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, like I've been uh, an MPC user for like an extremely long time. Like back in the early '90s, they had the, like the MPC 2000 XL. Okay. Uh, my friend Rob like had one, so I got to play with it with him. And then when I worked in the the same shop where where I was like the Pro Tools expert, um, I also was like the MPC guy uh-huh. for the store as well. And like it didn't, I wasn't proficient at it. But like I knew how to load up sound, so I could like demonstrate it to people. Right. And be like, look, this is what it uh-huh. it does, right? Yeah. Um. Like there was a oh, what artist was it? there was a huge session in Toronto that that was happening, and they wanted an MPC uh, person. Um. I wish I could remember which artist it was, but it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. But they they reached out to the store to be like, give us your MPC guy, and like they're like, oh, Brenny like knows this stuff, and I was like, guys, like really, I can load a sound. In. <laughs> But if I'm in like the studio with like a Hollywood producer, like right. this is gonna be awkward. So, so like I, I totally turned down that gig. I, I often thought like, oh, you know, like I wonder if I would have floated. But, but yeah, yeah like it, it's uh, it's a very logical way to work. Like the everything, especially in the new MPCs, like yeah. everything's on the surface, right? So yeah. you just have to menu dive a few times and you can figure out how to quickly jump around. So yeah, it seems very like user friendly that thing. Like yeah. when I see you like changing 
you know, like whatever, like sounds or whatever, going to menus. They seem very straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's there's still dials. It's not all touchscreen now. Like there is some touchscreen, but then this is also like the man, the physical dials, which I like mm-hmm. on like a lot of stuff, which I know a lot of stuff is going away from that now. But I right. still like to turn knobs and things. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And uh, and so when I saw you using it, like the video I was watching today, you were like loading up some samples and then, you know, playing stuff over top and showing hmm. how you can you know manipulate the different scales and mm. you know where the root notes of the scale are light up red like i thought that was super cool like that <laughs> makes it real easy right you know I mean? yeah yeah for someone that's not real um you know into like the uh theory side of it yeah they can easily figure that out oh here's the root notes and here's everything else and how it fits so mm-hmm. i thought it like it just looked really cool to me and and again like you're so proficient with you make it look easy if it were me i'd probably be struggling with it you know yeah it it, it takes a minute for sure yeah. like just to sort of get quick at it but i think like yeah i mean that that's why i put together those videos too it's just that it's sort of like when i when I learned about the gear, like there wasn't really YouTube at that mm-hmm. at that level, right? Like you didn't have yeah. that instant access. You'd have to like read the manual yeah. and, and do that kind of work to do it. So that that's kind of like, yeah, it's why I do the videos is just so that if somebody has like an instant question, then they can just like look up whatever the subject is and hopefully they hit one of my videos and right. then they can check out how, how I go about doing it. Sure. Like, that's the thing with MPC too, is that I only show it in like a very specific workflow. There's like endless ways to use that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's very, uh, very flexible. And, uh, I was in Regina and, uh, and fresh kills and Becked were doing this, like this show there. And so, uh, fresh kills was demoing the MPC and it was okay. really cool to see somebody else's like, perspective, yeah, like what, what they know? do with it sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And their approach and like the, yeah, the different production techniques that they would use with the exact same environment I use as well. And then, uh, yeah, and then, like, yesterday I had the day off. Like, I had a bit of a break, and mm-hmm. so I had uh, Dave Fox over, and I just spent the entire day, like, using the stuff that they had shown me. And mm-hmm. it was like, man, this is, like, so much easier now, you know? Like, this right. is, uh, they brought it together. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, it's uh, it's its own instrument, you know, like it's, uh, you can play guitar or you can play mm-hmm. whatever into it, but it really becomes its own thing when you chop up and put stuff yeah. inside of it. So, well, that's what I was wondering. Like there's a whole bunch of, uh, vocal samples they had, like in the Bay of Fundy video, for example, mm-hmm. those vocal samples aren't in the software when you get it, like you have no. to load that stuff up. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that, that was like, that was Ian George light. And so what we do, yeah, it was, yeah, that was yeah, his yeah, voice. Totally. That was his voice. No yeah. shit. I think so. Yeah. On the Bay of Fundy video. Wow. I'm pretty sure. So, so yeah, what we do, um, is we'll, we'll get together like just in the evening after he puts his kids to bed sort yep. of thing. And, uh, and I'll produce a beat and he just sings live and then wow, that's cool. how all that stuff is made. It's uh, nice. Yeah. It's super, super quick. Right. It's just like, Hey, here's an idea. He does his thing. And then yeah. I have all that content to sort of mix and match and pull yeah. together afterwards. So as long as I grab a lot, then there's tons sure. to work with. Right. So, wow. Yeah. And that's what Dave and I were doing yesterday too. We actually, we got like, we got three songs like done in the course of four hours yesterday. It was, uh-huh. it was absurd. It was just like, you know, okay, here's like tons of content and right. like maybe not done. Like now I'm going to take no, it all yeah. and sort of churn it and process right. it and make it organized. But, but you get a big chunk of it down stuff to work with. Going yeah, forward. Totally. yeah. Yeah. New content. Right. Yeah. So totally. It's, uh, yeah. It's a very, I think it's a very new way to sort of work, right? Because, like, a lot of people using MPC, they won't sample their own stuff. They'll grab, uh-huh. like, records and what right, have you. Right. So this way I'm sort of, like, having somebody custom write to yeah. what I'm doing as opposed to me, like, 
finding a sample and then uh-huh. having to mix everything else to blend into that. So Well, that answers the other question I had because I was going to ask if they if the vocal samples weren't in there, how you got them, you know what I mean? And how yeah. you got permission to use them and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, But yeah, that makes total sense. I, God, Ian, I haven't seen Ian in years. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen him since he worked at like... Uh, HMV, I right, think, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Like that, like that was so long ago. Yeah, totally. He's a Galt guy as well, so yeah. he just lives on the other side of the river. Right. And like, that was uh, that was a big draw, like for like him and a lot of the other friends for me to come back to Cambridge. It's yeah. like, hey, like I have a lot of of pals that have young families now, yeah. and so they're very like tethered to that situation. Sure, sure. So if I live here, then they can take a couple hours out of their life and just like right. do this thing and not have to drive to Toronto or Guelph. Uh-huh. Or, whatever the situation is. So yeah, it's been, uh, is that where you were living before in Toronto? Before I, you came back? Yeah. I think it was about like seven or eight years in Toronto. And then okay. it was about two years in Guelph. Oh, so cool. I kind of like slowly made my way yeah, back. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. I couldn't afford a house in Toronto. So, Oh God. Yeah. Who can? It's right. insane. The market's yeah. insane there. Yeah, totally. It was, uh, it was yeah, expensive. You, uh, you said you were in Regina recently mm-hmm. and I know you were, out west as well. Uh, well, Virginia is out west, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, further west, I think, right? And then you made your way back. Uh, actually, I flew out to Winnipeg. So okay. and then and then I drove from Winnipeg to Regina, oh, okay. and then I came back from there. But but yeah, a couple weeks previous, I think it was out in Vancouver, and I went to Vancouver Island. Okay, kinda, like right. did that thing. So. So yeah, yeah. How did you end up in the hotel with the hot air balloon bed? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a hotel like in uh, in Kingston, Ontario. It's called the Fireside <laughs> Inn. Um, and I discovered it when I first started traveling because like I had a shop in Kingston, Ontario. So every time I would go out to Montreal, I would drive it. Yeah. And then visit this store. And they would always give me like a free upgrade to their their hot tub suite, which is like killer yeah. by itself, sure, right? Sure. And and so I was quite happy with this for a bit. And then the one night I went in and I said, "Hey, is there any like free upgrades?" And like I was like, "Oh, do you want one of our theme rooms?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I do." Like not even knowing that that was a yeah, thing. And yeah. so so they have about like six or seven theme rooms in this hotel. And so right. that was my first stay in the uh, hot air balloon. I usually get there's one that's like a moon landing, so it has like oh, a yeah. spaceship. That you crawl up into and has like a hot tub <laughs> halfway up and like sounds amazing yeah it's really incredible right it's like that stuff on the road is is definitely like a pretty enjoyable situation it's yeah. just when you figure out these weird little things in <laughs> kingston ontario you know sure so, yeah <laughs> yeah so all that traveling obviously is is for work right like mm-hmm. are you a traveler sort of outside of work as well do you like to get around or do you just uh, is it just mainly just to get around to showcase all the yeah. all the goodies for the company i definitely like when i'm not like working i, I definitely like to be here like at, at yeah. the home right because sure. like uh yeah it's uh I, I've done like some travel. I, I was in Chiang Mai. Like I've done some other things as well. Yeah. But but really these days, just because my my life is like hotels and, and airplanes, when yeah. I have time off, I'm just like, hey, like home. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go to a cottage this summer as well, which is like, you know, sort of like home. It's, it's yeah. just like in the woods. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. At Chiang Mai, at ringing a bell, is that where? Um Ra Ra lives. What's her yeah, name? Yeah, Nicole Drake. Nicole. Yeah, 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 totally. So yeah, so I went out. Uh, Maybe about three years ago, I visited her there. Okay. So, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. She's She's been doing some awesome stuff out there, too, yeah. with the band she's in. Bobcat and... Uh, yeah, and Itchy Band was it, the first yeah, one. Itchy yeah, Itchy Band, yeah. Yeah, totally, yeah. So, the, she... Uh, 
Yeah, she's doing like I think it's just Bobcat. I don't think Itchy Band exists. Itchy Band's anymore. not together. Um, but Itchy Band, like they even like they got coverage in Vice magazine and stuff. And, really? Like, they they really uh, were kicking ass, and and so is Bobcat. Um, it's a two piece though. Like Bobcat, it's just like punk rock, like yeah. dirty two yeah. piece, and uh, yeah, like it's uh, they were in Cambridge a little while ago, like maybe about three or four months ago, and they did a show uh, at the Roseanne Bar, and it was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was incredible. Jay yeah. Martz was telling me about that, actually. Yeah. Jay Martz and Laura were, were at the show, and they were telling me. I didn't even know that yeah. place existed. When they yeah. told me it was called the Roseanne Bar, I had a pretty decent laugh. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good little <laughs> space, for sure. I, I don't like. I don't think there's too many shows happening right now, mm. um, but yeah, like they often like will throw things, and like, yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, it's yeah. a bunch of friends just like helping out other friends, giving us space to, to play music. Really. Sure. So, yeah. How, um, how early on did you get involved with Pro Tools? You said you, you kind of got in with, with well, the, the company yeah. that is, owns Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. How early did you get on board with that? Because I know Pro Tools is only what, like, maybe it's less than 20 years old for sure, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's within that, that realm. So yeah. I started... Uh, like version wise, I believe it was like Pro Tools 6.4, um, okay. which is super geeky that I know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, like when I studied, uh, audio engineering that that was what we learned on. Right. Right. And, uh, and when I got hired, um, in Toronto, like at the music shop, like it was, uh, when they were interviewing me, they said like, Oh, like, you know, what do you know? And I was a piano player. So I'm like, I can play keys and like, mm-hmm. what else? I was like, Oh, I'm a pro tools expert. And they were like, you're an expert. Hey, and I was <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think I'm an expert. <laughs> think, you know? And so they, they were like, okay, well you're our, our expert now. Um, and so I didn't necessarily know as much as I thought I knew right off the bat. And so I just really had to like, take a lot of customer problems and issues and figure it out. And so over that yeah. kind of process, I became pretty good at knowing it because everybody that had a problem was right. coming to me and like fix this thing. And so eventually it made sense. So, yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. I was in my, uh, let's see, I was probably 27 or 28. So yeah, a while back, you know, where did you, uh, where'd you study for music production? I went to the Trebis Institute okay. in Toronto. So, yeah, it was like a one-year course. And, yeah. And that, that's why I moved to Toronto. Like, that's right. why I started living there. Cause yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I had... Um, I worked at the YMCA in Cambridge, and I was uh, I was very comfortable with that. And then I realized I was probably too comfortable doing that. So, mm-hmm. I decided to, like, kind of change my path. Yeah, expand your horizons a yeah, little bit. Yeah, go kind of to thing. school, like, you know, go into serious debt, like, all that <laughs> kind of crap, right? Everyone's so, got to do it, man. Yeah, I guess so, It's kind right? of the way it goes nowadays. It's not you don't, too bad, yeah. You don't sort of get an education now without forking out an arm and a leg, mm-hmm. it feels like, you know. And then paying for it forever as yeah. well, right? So, yeah, it's kind of craziness. But. So, you played... But it sounds like you played piano, like obviously way before any mm-hmm. of any of this stuff, like getting involved with any electronic stuff. Yeah. But it's obviously helped you a lot into that world, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like all of the electronic stuff, like the more music theory you approach it with, right. the, the easier of a time you're going to have, right? Because sure. then you can make assumptions as to how stuff is going to sound together and you don't have yeah. to you know, sort of guess as much at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like my parents had me in music school when I was two years old. Like wow. I, I was like a baby. Right? Wow. So, so yeah, we, there was something. And was, learning piano like right away? Uh, like, no. Yeah, like, I was going like to say, that, that's pretty young. Two, it's like, it was just like environment. So Still, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, and I had studied like, yeah, from that point on, like that's all I did. But, 
but yeah when i was a kid i didn't really like play video games or do like right. anything like that it was all just like made music play piano do this thing right so yeah that's good though man yeah it's good now like when yeah, i was absolutely. a kid i'm sure i was like what am i doing i want to play soccer like what's going on yeah you know? yeah but, yeah but yeah i'm very like thankful for it oh now, god so. and learning like especially piano like it just mm-hmm. it's such a uh, game changer for everything music wise you know what i mean right yeah and like even just like with even with guitar like the way the things were you know all the theory relates to all the all the different instruments it's amazing to know it you know and mm-hmm. it's one everyone says that i wish i learned piano when i was a kid because that's when you retain everything you right know? yeah yeah just like languages right yeah like you just sort of pick it up a lot a lot easier so yeah so i'm very yeah i'm thankful but when i was like i was 14 or 15 yeah. like high school right yeah. i was like oh piano is so freaking lame oh of so, course yeah so then i like uh I wanted to get a guitar. I had no money because I didn't have a job. So I was like, mom and dad, like, give me a guitar. And they were like, yeah. ah, we already got you a piano. And you kind of, <laughs> you kind of stopped like doing that. Now we have this piece of furniture that costs yeah. like a fortune, like maybe not, you know? And so, um, and so I struck a deal with them. Like I had like 20 bucks. And so I bought myself a harmonica and I told them like, Hey, if I really learn the crap out of this thing, like, yeah. will you reconsider? Right. And, uh, and yeah, they struck the deal they're like sure like you know you have the summer at the end of the summer to like really play the harmonica well and so i spent the entire summer just like doing that and yeah. so it made me very proficient on the harmonica and then they were like okay you're actually like interested here's here's yeah. a guitar happy birthday nice know? so yeah it was really sweet it was what that. was your first guitar what'd you get uh it was it was this uh where is it is it down here I think it's on the wall. Oh, it's that guy right there. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The seagull. Yeah, oh, so. nice. So, yeah, that was, uh, it was a nice guitar, right? Like Absolutely. They, yeah. They, they got me one that would last and uh, you can see it's quite beaten up. Like, it's, it's good though, man. It's well used, which is yeah. nice to see. You don't see too many guitars like that, you know? Right. Yeah. I thought it was Kurt Cobain when I was a kid, right? So on my acoustic <laughs> guitar. Yeah. Well, most people get like a first instrument. They either beat the hell out of there or they get rid of it immediately because it's not yeah. something that's not of quality. Right. So your parents yeah. got you something of quality, obviously, and you've still got it, which is, yeah, you know around yeah absolutely i've actually never like well i i sold the guitar once but i sold it to ian light actually so so he kept it around sort of in the family kind of thing uh yeah but then like years later he he bought himself his guitar like i, I bought a oh, squire yeah. a fender squire strat so yeah um and then he bought his own guitar and he was like hey do you want this thing back and he totally like gave it back to nice. me nice so so yeah every guitar is like stuck around which i'm lucky yeah. for but as you can see like there's not much space because of that yeah but you know these things yeah for anyone that's listening that that doesn't realize right now we are actually um in brennan's home we're not in my <laughs> my typical quote-unquote studio which is my my uh, guest bedroom um mm-hmm. we're in his place and we are surrounded by a ton of awesome looking instruments hanging on the wall and on the floor around us and he's got a beautiful little fender amp that i can see and a nice fender bass guitar uh no that's not a fender what is that yeah that's uh that's an ibanez oh a, yeah it's like a 68 ibanez oh totally nice short scale nice yeah. Yeah, I got that from. Uh, um, yeah, why did I think that was a Fender? Because it's got like a uh, Tele well, headstock almost. And yeah, you know? Tele cut as well. Yeah. I, I think yeah, that yeah. they made them for a while, and then it became illegal for them to make them anymore because mm. it was like copyright infringement right, or something right. like that. So, um, yeah, same with like the there's like that Fender twelve string. Same thing with yeah. that too. Is that it's like they had some kind of weird bracing inside, so they only made them for like a short stint. You know, because oh, yeah. they were breaking laws. But yeah. But yeah, I got the uh, the Ibanez bass from uh, 
uh, in Guelph, like the uh, a guitar technician that I knew there, he mm-hmm. uh, he had stashed it aside for himself, and he decided he had too many instruments. And he was like, I think you should buy this bass, and I was like, <laughs> I think I should too. Like he sort of brought it into hiding. Was like, here you go. So yeah. Yeah, so that that came to me very happily. Yeah, yeah it's a nice it's a nice piece of yeah, music gear for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I have a problem. I had to dump some stuff. Like I was just collecting. No, I don't want to say ra- like rare guitars, but just different guitars. Like a lot of Korean made stuff. Like mm-hmm. I have a Korean made Fender uh, like TC ninety. It's a Tele technically, hmm. but it's a double cut Tele, oh. and it's a semi hollow body, and it's kind of rare. It's like a but the guy from Jimmy Eat World plays one or something okay. similar to it. And and so I still have that one, but I had to get rid of, like, I had, like, a Schecter for some reason, like a complete shredder guitar. I'm yeah, not a shredder I'm, at all. You I have know. a Schecter in that case. Do like, you? Yeah, yeah, totally. So Mine had, like, you know, the unfinished neck, and it was, right, like, uh, yeah. like, a Les Paul-style body, but, like, EMG pickups in it, real hot, huh. you know? Like, it just right. it just wasn't me, you know? So, yeah, totally. So I traded it off, but I got another piece of gear for it, so I was, I was happy that I didn't just sell it and just get right. money to just piss away on whatever, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, my, my rule for gear, like, it's never come up with guitars. Like, I'll keep all of them, but... Yeah. It, but if I don't turn a piece of gear on in the course of a year, then it, it shouldn't like be here. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much like the general rule. Because like yeah. I, I've been lucky for getting gear for the companies I work for, right? Yeah, like, of course. I always borrow it on the sample account, sure. but then I end up like purchasing it. But but yeah, it definitely makes it so that uh, it gets out of hand. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just like, well, I don't have a need for this thing, so why keep it around? You right. Know? Like, yeah, it's easy to to drown in like gear and not oh, make yeah. music you know like mm-hmm. it doesn't take much gear to actually make good yeah. music but uh yeah oh totally like i completely understand that i you know i i always think i need more gear you know i need i need a different guitar i need uh, another amp you know i need right. you know i had like a, a pv5150 forever i've had that for like 10 years but um or i've had some variation of 5150 for the last 10 years but uh then i had got it in my head that I needed a Marshall hmm. and so I got a, a little DSL 15 head but right. it really it's high it's high gain just like my PV so it's right. you know what I mean I've kind of got two of the same animal just different branding yeah. you know and they sound different they each have their own characteristics but I didn't really need that amp but I, I at least I traded like I, that's what I got for the Schecter so it was right it was nice to just not go out and just buy something that I didn't really need I just you know yeah but it, trade in. Yeah. but it doesn't really help me to write because I'm not a great songwriter so it's you know what I mean it's like right. I have all this gear but it's I'm always looking for something to join because I'm not a uh, writer you know right yeah yeah totally yeah. yeah and even like like the writing that I do like for the MPC stuff is uh that's pretty much the only way I write now right mm-hmm. like it's uh the band that I'm in is all covers which I okay, yeah. really like loving like covers are, are so yeah much fun totally to, to do so so, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I was wondering if you were still doing that because when we talked, mm. I thought you said you were in a cover band, but I w- I couldn't remember for sure if it was a cover band or a band of originals. Uh, yeah, so it's all uh, it's covers. It's called the band's called the Green Morning, and okay. it's uh, so we do uh, '60s and '70s uh, funk, punk, and nice. psych and rock and roll as well. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so we have. Uh, uh, Jared Zimmerman is the drummer, and then we have Eric Schultz from the band from Planet X from Kitchener on oh, yeah. guitars, and uh, and I play bass, and then Tina Deline or Tina Hogue, she uh, she's a vocalist, so nice. it's uh, but yeah, like those are folk that I've been making music with since I was like a little yeah, baby, yeah. like they're all like fourteen years old. We were jamming yeah. together, so it's very. 
uh, it's very easy um, and very fun. You know, that's just, the way to do it, eh? Yeah, like, drink beers. And, yeah, and, yeah, and with your friends, like, and and there's yeah. no pressure, and you're not mm-hmm. worried about messing up because you don't know the guy really all that well that's playing the other guitar in the right. band, or whatever, right? Yeah, totally. And that's the hardest thing about joining something as an adult, you know, because if mm-hmm. you haven't if you haven't kept up with those friends that played, you know, with you in high school or whatever, mm-hmm. you kind of fall out of the loop, and then you're tasked with finding, you know, quote unquote, the right group of people. You right. Know, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Right. Like it's, uh, I, I, w- I was lucky in Toronto. Like when I lived there, I had a lot yeah, of, uh, yeah. a lot of friends that were new friends, but they were also very comfortable. That was kind of like the world of Toronto. Yeah. It was just a lot of musicians that were having a good time. But, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I definitely, I enjoy it. It's very easy. We don't, uh, we don't practice a ton either. Like we do it like maybe once every week or once every two weeks, like that kind of thing. You probably so. don't have to though, really, right? Like yeah, you're so comfortable comfy. with each other and yeah. you know, you probably know the material like backwards and forwards by now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm totally like the hack in the band. Like everybody else is like so uh, practiced up and like right. knowledgeable. And I'm always like the dude who's like, oh, like Eric, what's the first note? Just tell me that, that first note and I'll be good. And like, yeah. And so it's... uh you know, I always feel like I need to step up my game because yeah. they're always on point. So it's, uh, but playing, I mean, playing bass is important, but you yeah. can't just like really rely on the root if you're kind of having like a, yeah. a night where you're not feeling those arpeggios. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's just do this thing, Eric. You, you play, you do the, the hard stuff. Thanks, buddy. You know? I find that exact same, I have that exact same problem. Like our old, um, our old uh, band that I sort of, I joined late. Like I was, a replacement guitar player for a, a guy we we're sort of putting it back together just to do a couple of shows just to have some fun or whatever mm, cool and uh and the other guitar player is my buddy matt elder and he he writes all the songs and or the majority of the songs and is an amazing guitar player and so every time i play with him i always have this worry like it almost makes me worried to the point where i mess up because i'm thinking so hard to not mess up you know what i mean right yeah because <laughs> he's so good it's like yeah god damn it you're too good you know what i mean and i just get nervous almost to play in front of him because he's that good but then yeah same thing you're like oh shit what's the what what chord does that song start on okay right. good and yeah, then just yeah. muscle memory just comes yeah, totally. back and boom, boom, boom. like yeah. oh here's the yeah. notes and like and every time i hit a sour note like instead of eric's like he's a really <laughs> he's a nice guy he would probably hate that i called him a nice guy he's like no i'm badass <laughs> um but uh yeah like instead of like him getting upset he'll like look at me and laugh at me yeah. and it's just like you know it's just pals hanging out it's like sure. oh like look what you just did you idiot it's like yeah <laughs> I, I totally dropped it sorry dude like yeah yeah we've been doing uh uh, um, remake remodel from Roxy Music and there's this like bass solo in the middle and mm. like and I just I fail at it every time and like I need to like I really need to just like woodshed the shit out of that yeah. and figure it out because every time it comes up everybody looks at me and like yeah, last yeah. band practice I got pretty close yeah, and yeah. like and <laughs> Tina like really celebrated it but then like Jer and Eric were like no nah, that is it. still like no <laughs> No, you're, you're like you you know where your hands should yeah. be, but you should actually like put your hands there. Yeah, yeah. Know? So, so yeah, it's uh, it's challenging because like the uh, Jer is super knowledgeable about music. He knows just like yeah. a ridiculous amount of stuff, and so like the tunes that he has us play, it's always like um, really like popular, cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But you just it, it's hard to figure out. Like he picks the tough stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so yeah, but every now and then he'll pick like a three chord song. Be like, there you yeah. go, buddy. Like, just do that thing. Yeah, you gotta have those ones that are easy to play. You right, know what I mean? Yeah, like, because the they 
ones. Yeah. yeah, it just gives you a little bit of a break, and they're fun to play. I find right. like easy ones where you can really like rock out and not have to think too hard about where your fingers need to be. Totally. You know, yeah. you just you get those chords, that progression memorized, like muscle memory, like I said before, and then yeah. it's just fun to play, you know? Right. And I always find like the, the simpler stuff, it gives way more room for the vocalist, right? Yeah. Which is like why people watch rock bands is to see sure. like a singer like really belted of course yeah, yeah that's been like we've gotten that comment like from a few shows where we haven't like had the best levels where we were just drowning out tina like mm. all the time and so now what like I, we haven't really even really talked about it, but what what's been happening at band practice is when she sings we just like go way mm-hmm. back right like just go super silent and uh I think it's just going to make it better. Like yeah. we're doing, uh, we're doing Joey Stock in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll, I don't know if you know Joey show, Stock, but, but yeah, I'll send it to you. It's um, Jerry Gray, who is uh, was also pals with Ian Light, but he holds like a backyard uh, party oh. similar to the one that I'm doing as yeah, well. Yeah, I think I have heard about this. This has been going okay. on for a lot of years, right? Uh, for a few years, yeah. Okay. Not, like we've done, we did last year, and we're going to do this year as well. Okay, um, but I think he's done it like a few more times too. Um, but yeah, that, that's our next show. So like, I really have to like kind of buckle down <laughs> and just be, be ready for it. We have one more practice before that goes down. Everybody's yeah. kind of busy this week. So it's like, okay, yeah. one more, one more practice, you know, figure yeah, it yeah. out yourself. So, so yeah, but it'll be fun. It's, uh, it's nice to have something to practice for though. Yeah. You know? Like I find like I won't practice unless I have something to practice for. Having a mission you know? is like, yeah. yeah, it's super, yeah. Super important for me for sure. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The um the headbrush pedal, just to get back to that a little mm-hmm. bit. You were telling me a little bit about that the last time that we talked. Um did you say that you can sample somebody else's sound into that thing? Yeah, so it takes uh it takes something called an impulse response. And so um what that is is like you use like a third party bit of software and you uh-huh. record down a tone from your guitar amp and then it sort of it calculates that and kind of makes assumptions as to what all the tones would sound like. Right. And then you could take that little bit of math and put it into the pedal. So uh-huh. if you have your own uh, special rig at home, you can just totally like put that into the pedal and not have to bring it around. And yeah. A lot of people like share that content online too, right? Because they're, they're proud of what they put sure, together. Sure. So some people sell it as well, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I've actually been kicking around with the idea of like putting together almost like a Tom Waits pack of impulse responses. So buying like old broken Radio Shack like speakers and mm-hmm. just like, you know, figuring out that tone. Yeah, yeah. And having just really raunchy, gnarly stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's cool. Like it comes with a lot of good content, but then you have the option to kind of yeah. change it yourself too. So it looks like all the reviews I've seen, and I mean, like all the major hubs are getting it out. All the stuff I watch mm-hmm. on YouTube, all those channels, like uh, uh, the guy Fluff from Beards, what is it, Riffs, Beards, and Gear or whatever, right. he got it and, and played with it. And then Anderton's Music in the UK got it and played mm-hmm. with it. And everyone loves it because it's so easy to use. Right. It's got all these amazing patches like in it already. Mm-hmm. It's super easy compared to all the other ones I've seen. Right. I mean, yeah. I, to be fair, I haven't seen the Helix one really yeah. used a whole lot. I know that's a really, a really good one too. Mm-hmm. But this particular one seems to be like very user friendly and it's got almost, almost everything you could have, you could need in it. Right. And then some, well, or for sure it's got more than you need actually is what I mm-hmm. meant to say. It's got more than you need and then some, and then it's got even like the option of like, or not the option, but the function of having like seamless switching between your patches, Right. which yeah. like I was really interested in like Fender made one a few years back called the Mustang floor. Yeah, totally. And the, there was a guy that was selling one for like 150 bucks, which mm-hmm. was like a steal. Right. But then I started watching some like reviews online and 
you click to go to your from your clean sound to your whatever your your crunch sound or your distorted sound mm-hmm. and there's a delay Mm. And it's like, you can't have a delay when you're playing live. You right. click it, it needs to be right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's uh they even like, so they, the, the first rendition like that, you see a lot of the videos for right now, like they had uh, the gapless preset switching, right? So there yeah. were the reverbs and the, the delays like voice out. Um, but now like what they've done is they've set up like these multi switches. So you can actually like inside of your single, single, uh, guitar environment you can have a couple like different stacks like amps and heads in there and then you can create switches that control the on off for them so you can have like this preset switch or you can have even inside of one patch uh the ability to jump back and forth too so it's uh but yeah it's, it's like a quad core processor and i think that that's the reason why is everything else is not right quad core and so that right. just gives you that that instant speed and like the ability to do everything with yeah. feeling. Yeah. It's um, like a computer essentially, right? Like, a, like yeah. a real proper computer brain almost inside of a pedal. Board. Totally. But just stripped down to do specifically like right. that, which one is even thing, better because so. now it's focused on doing those tasks. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It only has memory for those things. Right. right? And so it's just like, yeah, it's instant. Uh, everything mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's really incredible. I, uh, I got to hang out with, uh, or got to meet this dude, uh, Jimmy James in Montreal. And, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I think it was like, he played uh, guitar for a little bit for Crim- King Crimson. Like he filled in for a short while. I oh, was that at that guitar <laughs> store. Like he, there was a bunch of like speakers and he was playing. Yeah. yeah totally. I saw that video. That, yeah, was, that yeah, guy's a great, shredding, a great right? player. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, for him, like he, it was funny. He grabbed like a two hundred dollar guitar. He grabbed like the <laughs> cheapest guitar, and like, and uh, when I went to the store, like there was the uh, the technician was down talking to him, and that's always like a really good indicator that somebody's a big deal. Like if the tech comes out, it's like, yeah. oh, you're this dude, like and chat to you. And so he was like, kind of, I did a demo for all the staff, mm-hmm. and he sort of heard this go down, and he was like, kind of looking. I was like, hey, do you play guitar? And he's like, yeah, man. Like I was like, cool. Do you want to like? plug in and mm-hmm. so the technician was like you're in for the dream of your life like what you're about to witness is gonna melt your brain and and like he sat on it for probably like an hour and a half two hours like at least like wow. that, that video was just like me showing it to him and right. doing that but then like you and know he just messed with it he, he just, just messed yeah. with it i left him alone like that's the best way to demo something if somebody's digging it you just like okay yep. i'm gonna be on that side of the room sure. like i'll look and see if you have a problem and i'll come help yeah. you out and yeah, it was like it was forever, and he just like yeah. But that's like it feels like a real uh, guitar stack. Like there's no uh, no feeling of like hey, I'm playing through a pedal, and that, yeah. that's really the yeah. benefit of it. You know, it's just like very to the point. And uh, well, that's what I never liked about those things. Like they right. always they were always too complicated. Like they had like you know bank up down this and that mm-hmm. right. Like I don't want that. I want the ability to set like eight or ten buttons all set up with the sounds that I need. Right. And then just yeah. be able to click through almost like, um, you know, like like those uh, switchboards that people have for all their pedals that are backstage. Mm-hmm. And then they run to one of those like switchers. Right. You know? Yeah. And that way you click a button and it turns on, you know, pedal one, two, and five totally. or whatever. And that's sort of the kind of thing that I've been looking for for a long time. Mm-hmm. If, if I was going to be playing live, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing right. that I would want. And obviously I'm a bedroom player right now. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was contemplating joining this cover brand recently, that's why I was looking at things like the Fender Mustang and things like that, because right. you can set up a variety of sounds ahead of time and then you're not messing with, you know, your amp or, or setting up like, cause like the PB, the 5150 that I have is it's the combo and it doesn't have two separate channel. It does. It's two channels, but it doesn't have like that, that 
separate crunch channel right. separated from the distortion channel. So it's either like full on high gain or clean. Right. And the clean isn't even very good. You know what I mean? Mm. So I was looking for something that I could maybe run through a uh, even like a solid state um, amp or something that right. would give me the kind of tones I was looking for. But it didn't really exist. And then I, and then I saw this co- thing come out and you were telling right. about it and I went looking for it and then I, huh. all of a sudden I see all the YouTube videos starting to come out and I'm going, yeah. wow, this thing is really cool. Yeah, it's super badass. Yeah, it yeah. is, totally. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, but it was like years, years and years and years of development, right? And like really mm-hmm. like when when in music puts a product together, like they do a lot of research, right? And so it, it's uh, not only like listening to what staff have to say, but they'll they'll dig into like other uh, pedals like you know Facebook pages and stuff and find out what the customers are asking for, yeah. like what they're complaining about what they like about it sure. as well and then and that ultimately makes it and then like the entire staff that worked on the head rush were all next level guitar players so like they knew what bugged them and, yeah. and really it was like you said earlier it's the menu diving right like yep. just having to uh, take like five steps to try to find something. Yeah. If you get to the end of that that chain, and you didn't find it. You feel disappointed. I know. So you have to like start searching the That's next right. one, and like, and really, that was the goal: is that everything with that touch screen, everything mm-hmm. is on the surface. Yep. And, and you then just drag the whatever you want over with your and finger. Drop, yeah. And yep. then every parameter is available uh-huh. just by holding down buttons. So yep. there's like you don't even have to bend over. You right. Just like stay like standing up and like still have full control over every possible parameter inside the yeah. pedal. So it's a uh, yeah, it's um, it's a really, it's great. It's a great new brand, and like, it's uh, I'm really, I've I've spent my entire like uh, music career always doing DJ production and mm-hmm. like studio stuff. So right. it's been a lot of fun to be able to bring around, around a guitar and like be able to actually yeah. like play that in stores. And yeah, although like I've discovered that the best way to demo it is to not play too much myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just like give the instrument to whoever's there as much as possible sure. if they're comfortable. Cause like that's the only way you can actually like make a valid opinion is right. if you actually like used it yourself. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. So is that what, sorry, is that what you were doing when you were out in like Winnipeg and coming back this way? Like, uh, no, that, that was for, that was for fresh kills and okay. so they were right. just doing like a couple clinics out that okay, way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my job was to, to show up to the store, uh, before they got there, make sure that the gear was there, make sure right. that things were set up, and then introduce the staff to the artist, right? Sure. And then, like, introduce them to the crowd and and then be sort of, like, a tech uh, guy, like, for questions that came up that were just, like, super dork. Like, right. I was there to, oh, you know, this is how that works or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they didn't, like, they... I spoke up a couple of times, but, like, they definitely, like, they had it really covered. Like, both mm-hmm. those dudes are, are very on point. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like such a cool job to have, like, hearing that you're traveling around and doing these demos. Like, that, you know, it just the fact that you get to travel for your job is cool, mm. but your job is also cool. <laughs> so oh, thanks, it's like yeah. a double, you know what I mean? It's mm. like, it just seems like the best of both worlds. You know yeah, I, mean? I definitely got it. Like, you're not tied to a desk somewhere, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. No, I, I definitely have, like, office days where, sure. where it's expense reports and, like, scheduling and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm I'm very, like... I, I actually enjoy those days too, just because like when I'm on the road, it's, it's chain, so like right? yeah. it's out there. And then when I'm at home, I can just like have my house coat on and just like drink <laughs> coffee and do paperwork. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's kind of, kind of cool too. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I feel, I feel very blessed to do it. Like I, I definitely like, 
I enjoy mm-hmm. just being out there and I get to meet lots of cool people. Like yeah. every, oh, absolutely. every customer that every person that I meet is somehow a musician. And mm-hmm. so you can make a lot of assumptions about a person from yeah. being a musician. Like number one, they found, uh, what I think is like probably the healthiest escapism that exists, right? Like being able to just like disappear into an instrument for like yep. half an hour is like, oh, you know, there's no hangover. Yeah. There's no like, there's no issues mm-hmm. from it. You just enjoy it. It's your own space. And so every person I met has like discovered that. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it makes it very easy just to get to know people. Cause it's like, Hey, we both like spending too much time doing exact- this one thing. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's there's definitely something to be said for like you said diving into an instrument for a little while. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the and it it's over the years I found it, you know, some years more helpful than others, but like right. even just today, like I took a little um break from was doing some job hunting online, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like looking around, there's nothing really in the field that I'm, you know, that I'm in and I'm I'm going, "Oh crap." And then I think, you know, what, I'm going to go sit up in the bedroom and play guitar for a little bit. Right, yeah. And I play, and it just, you forget, because you're so focused on what you're totally. doing, you forget about everything else for, like you said, half an hour, 45 minutes, or an hour, however long you're playing. Right. And you're developing your skill, you know, you're getting better, even if you're playing stuff you already know, you're still getting better, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's just a nice, like you said, a nice escape. You know? Right, and then when you come back to it, like if you're hyper, if you hyper focus on something difficult, you'll never resolve it. It's like as soon as you like look away from it, yeah, you go, oh, like I wish I thought about it through this the, this light and like that's, yeah. yeah, that's what music does, right? It mm-hmm. just gives you something that requires your full attention that is not, you know, not annoying by design it's just like you know whatever you can do is great and like yeah regardless of skill level like it's uh you know if you can make a sound like even my my one uh one and three month year old niece like she Mm. loves making music and it's just like you know there's something to it like she just like loves making sound and there's no organization or anything to it Mm -hmm. but like when she hit something and makes a sound she's like whoa that's the best freaking thing like, yeah yeah you check that out and it's like yeah dude like that was it's awesome to see that eh? like yeah. that spark that kids have for like making music like right. and they don't all enjoy it you know what i mean like yeah. all my nephews kind of like music but one in particular well actually two of them um really like or have expressed interest in making music hmm. they want to learn to play different instruments and cool. you know and it's just it's cool to see that because in this day and age like it seems like more and more stuff is like electronic you know what i mean like it's right. not um like i just there was an article that when my buddy actually my buddy josh sent me um that was talking about like the death of the electric guitar hmm. and i and i thought no way like that's it's not going to happen it's never going to go away completely but then i you know i read the article and i really dove into it and it was more about the fact that sales are declining Mm. which is you know some years that sales are going to decline it happens you know like gibson had to sell at one point to another company way Mm -hmm. back when because they weren't making enough money and they had to sell but um and it's happening again probably because of you know just the generation of the kids that are right you know, like you said like the video games and everything the ipads and everything else but also because a lot of this electronic music is being made right mm. yeah but uh see i sort of it's I, never gonna die though like i can't yeah. see the electric guitar going anywhere you know what i mean it's like you plug it's like my buddy rob said you plug that thing into a like a, a gibson les paul into a marshall stack yeah and hit like a you know, like a big fat E chord, boom, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you feel that energy through you right away. And yeah, it's totally. like addictive, you know? And I, I sort of like, I don't know, I look at it like, you know, there's always going to be like people that identif- identify as musicians, right? And not, 
not every DJ out there identifies as a musician, right? right? Like a DJ is just somebody who likes to listen to music and play it back. And then mm-hmm. you elevate by learning how to blend stuff together. And then like people get to the musician status when they start scratching and cutting and like yeah. and really figuring out that art. But, but yeah, like I always sort of look at like, especially like DJ stuff. And I think like that's a really amazing way to get people into like instruments, you know, because yeah. then like they're just a listener, but they, wish that they had a sample that was just like a guitar riff so okay maybe i'll get a guitar and learn how to do that riff and like start mm-hmm. to make my own samples and like it's uh because yeah like in the shops like guitar is still like definitely king like oh at least totally in Canada, like it's, yeah you know like 90 percent of the floor is like oh shit yeah guitar related product yeah, yeah. and and then all the other stuff is like it's cool and it's innovative, but it still plays nicely with guitar. Of know? course, yeah, of course, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's really, yeah. I, I don't think guitar is dying. I think that, as you said, there's something about just like hitting yeah. an open chord and just feeling like that amp, like, yeah, blow up in your face, which is just like, yeah, yeah satisfying, right? Sure, yeah. And the article was a like it was a bit of clickbait. Like when you read the article, it was more just about declining sales. It wasn't right, you know, like they can't nobody who can for sure say that anything is going to die. You can't, right? You yeah. know, like yeah. like I have buddies that. Uh, that uh, I skate with, I was just at the skate park with them. And they're like, "Oh, scooters are gonna die," and it's like <laughs> scooters are never gonna die. You right. know what I mean? Like they're gonna be around forever. There's always gonna be some kid on a friggin' razor scooter rolling right, around in a skate yeah. park. It's just gonna happen. Yeah. You can't say def- definitively that something is gonna die because right. nobody knows the future, right? Yeah. And but I thought it was especially funny that this article, the title of this article, was the death of the electric guitar. Right. Going, no. It's not. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah. Totally. Like a, like a bass guitar is an electric guitar. You know what I mean? Like an electric bass. Mm-hmm. That's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like right. even if even if the six string for some reason was wiped off the face of the earth because nobody was interested. Yeah, a bass guitar would always be somewhere. Right. You can do so much with drums and bass. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like no, it's it's you can't say that. You know, it's just clickbait for sure. Right. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. There. There's definitely like yeah. Doing guitar demos, like seeing mm-hmm. the level of skill, it's been very like inspiring oh, yeah, to yeah. be like, wow, there's a whole plateau because like my guitar playing is. Uh, it was always designed to back up like vocals, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was always very much like that. Like I play with uh, Tina and like sort of a side project where it's just like cover songs of folk okay. stuff, like good stuff for elderly people pretty yeah, yeah. much. And uh, that's where my guitar playing sits. And so like hanging out with musicians that are just like a hundred percent, like mm-hmm. this is the guitar like song. And yeah. it's like, man, there, there's a lot of like next level technique. And Absolutely. I, I think that's the, the best thing with guitar like it's six strings but you never have mm-hmm. a limitation to what you can achieve on it right. right so yeah i think that's why i never got into video games because i always felt like video games there's always yeah. like this like ceiling of like this is all you can do sure right? so yeah and i was always crappy i mean i grew up in the era of like the original nintendo and the right. original sega and i was awful at video games you know what i mean i was like arguably if you ask mike gagne about it he'll tell right. you i was probably the worst yeah although uh, although i did beat randy gagne in a competition for the world's worst video game player and he lost so oh, that's funny. technically i'm not the world's worst <laughs> in, in mike's eyes at least yeah, but uh that's so funny but um <coughs> that's what i always you know like with guitar it's like it's like you said it's it's endless like i on the last podcast i was talking about how i uh or two podcasts ago how i got into playing guitar because my uncle showed me 
you know, like Guns N' Roses. You know, he introduced me to Guns N' Roses, and uh, right. and he's like a, an '80s guy, so he had like a Kramer, like a really expensive Kramer at the time, yeah, and like sweet. he used to shred like you know like face melters in front of me all the time, and that really right. got me interested into playing electric. Mm-hmm. But I never had like the internet was obviously not around at that time. Right. Nowadays, kids can log on to like a Facebook group, right, and see all these people doing all these incredible things, mm-hmm. and you know, want to emulate that or uh, learn that technique or, mm-hmm. oh, you can play that. I bet you I can play that too kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like now there's almost more motivation than ever to become better and to learn, like be able to learn like just off of YouTube. You know what right, I mean? Like yeah. it's insane the amount of information on there. Yeah, it's so obtainable, right? Like Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's even like the one thing that I've really thought has been really cool with like online lessons is the Skype lessons, like doing that kind of thing. Like I yeah. know uh, Nick Johnson, I, I don't know if you watch any of Nick Johnson's videos, but like definitely like yeah. he's actually, he's a Schecter like sponsored guitarist okay. and he, he lives in Guelph. He used to work at a music oh, really? shop with me in Guelph. Um, but yeah, for like the longest time, I don't even know if he still does it, but he was doing Skype lessons and he's like traveling the world doing 100% like guitar solos and just like you know it's amazing Uh the stuff that he does um but yeah then for like a small fee you could have him on your computer showing you specifically what you want to learn so yeah it's um you know there's a lot of information I, I guess like the hardest part about right now is finding like valid information and helpful information right. sifting through all the garbage right yeah there's there's a lot of uh a lot of people have a lot of opinions right mm-hmm. but but it's like yeah there's not it's tougher to find those people that are just like 100% pure technique that they'll show you so right like in that the the tour with like as i was saying like with fresh kills and back that's going on right now like mm-hmm. during the session like they shared so many amazing techniques and i i was just i was so thankful it's like they didn't have to share as much as they did and it still would have been like next level good and it's uh you know it's those kind of people that help everybody else right because it's like okay like then now i can take your ideas and try to branch off of it right and uh i i find that that happens like just to bring it full circle that happens within music a lot too like they'll put out technology and then wait for the market to catch up and see what the heck they do with it and then like plan what's mm-hmm. next for us based upon that you know and yeah yeah it's um things are moving quick you know well yeah and i mean even with your like with your youtube channel like we were talking about earlier the videos that you put out like that that probably helps so many people Mm-hmm. to figure out that thing even if it's just the basics like if you right. bought something like that back in the day and there was like some stuff like that like not obviously not to the degree that it is now of course yeah but more like rudimentary stuff but like electronic instruments you might not know really how to set those things up you know what i mean mm-hmm. and unless you knew somebody or had a friend that was into it already or you know knew some people that could that could teach you yeah it was tough to learn that, that those things you oh, know what totally, i mean like synths yeah. and different things like that and right yeah whereas nowadays it's like oh man i'm struggling with this let me pop on YouTube real quick and figure totally. it out. Yeah. And yeah. it works on so many levels. Like I, I get a lot of rental cars and I get like very confused at how to open gas tanks. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah, I, like I've spent so many times at gas stations, just like YouTubing, like <laughs> how do how I open the gas tank? How does this caddy gas open, <laughs> man? Like I'm, I shouldn't be driving this car if I can't figure <laughs> that out. You know, I can't afford this. Um, yeah, it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's great. It's instant access. But again, like it's just about filtering through the shit. Because there's there's a lot of people that just like, like when I do my videos, I I try not to like say too much about who I am and what I do, and like it's not really so much about me, right? It's just yeah. about, like here's this button. This mm-hmm. is what the button does, and like, mm-hmm. and I only I try to do that just because like those are the videos that I seek out. Like as right. soon as somebody starts to get into a monologue about how freaking great they are, then it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really like, I don't care. Like, yeah. Show me what yeah. the button does. Like, exactly. I, yeah. I want, well, like when I'm logging on, I want the more instructional stuff. I want, like yeah. you said, I want them just to tell me, mm-hmm. you know, what everything does. And like, oftentimes like it, it's amazing how spoiled you get. Like right. if, even with this Mac, like this is the first, um, Apple computer I've ever had. Mm. And you know, like I was trying to figure out how to like lock, the screen one day without hmm. shutting it you know yeah. and uh and i went on youtube and they didn't have like nobody had a video that was like directly right to it and i was and i got annoyed you know what i mean right yeah yeah <laughs> i'm it's like, like there's no video what and i'm like yeah. wait a second a, a google search is probably better than youtube <laughs> right, for this yeah. you know what i mean but i was yeah. like you get so spoiled with just going to youtube and finding whatever it is you need right it's almost always there yeah you know? there's that assumption right like everything yeah. has already been figured out for you so yeah, it's so true with traveling too. Like I, I've made like I've made some pretty like dumb blunders in traveling, and like the only thing I've ever discovered is that there's always been somebody who's like done it, but probably worse than I did because right. there's always like a system set up no matter what you do, right? Mm-hmm. I remember I had a flight back like two or three years ago from Vancouver, and I was wearing like a a hoodie when I got onto the plane and I put my wallet in my one hoodie pocket. And so when I sat down, the wallet fell out Hmm. and it fell sort of back a few seats. And I was like, (laughs) I sat down and it was time to like buy dinner. And I was like, wallet, wallet, right. Crap. My wallet's in Vancouver still. Oh Oh my God. My car's (laughs) in like park and fly. Like Uh, I have to get gas for my car. Yeah. yeah. And like, and at first, it seemed like a huge deal, but then I thought to myself, like, some other idiot has done this before. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure I can just, like, go and talk to somebody, and there's yeah. going to be, like, some plan B, and I sure. have no idea what that is, but somebody will will help out, and yeah. it's always the case. Like, it, it's funny. There's always, like, there's enough humans now that we all do the same mistakes. And oh, There's of always, like, somebody who's done it who's, like, yeah. willing to help you and be like, yeah. all right, dummy, like, do it like this. Yeah. You know? So yeah. And it's so helpful that everyone has access to, like... Well, I mean, in our part of the world, anyway, access to a computer, access to a mm. camera where they can record a YouTube clip, even if it's a minute. I've right. seen things that are a minute long that have helped me right? because totally. I don't know how to do that thing. And all of a sudden, after a one minute video, I know how to do it. Right. And there was that wasn't around back in the day. You'd have to go asking people. You'd have to go around. Hey, yeah. uh, hey, dad, uh, how do you do this? You yeah, know, and dad and always knew everything, too. Right. So, it, it was, yeah. It was and then he always or my dad was good about making you feel stupid when you didn't know. Right. You know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now you don't have to go through that embarrassment. You don't know how you know to know solder you? a pipe there, son. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. <laughs> So you put a cold solder on there. What's the matter for you? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My uh, my buddy wanted me to ask you a question. It just popped into my head. I don't want to uh, forget about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So again, my, my friend Josh Wilkin is super into, um, you know, making like electronic music. And like, again, I, I'm... I butcher what to call it. Like, it's not techno. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't really know because I'm not in that in that world. But he wanted me to ask you about your thoughts on hardware versus software production. Mm, okay. Yeah. Which, again, like, <laughs> I kind of have an idea of what that means, and totally. I kind of don't. So yeah. like, this is his question, not mine. Okay. 
So it's just generally like, what what do I think is better? He but, says but. pros and cons of each, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like hardware options, there's really not, there's not a ton. There's not a ton of like standalone. There's like uh, the Torres from Pioneer. There's, uh, you know, you have like Tascam hard disk recorders as well mm-hmm. that are more for just like tracking like it's pro tools and task cam still around uh yeah they they do they do things like for sure still but then there's like there's the mpc right which is like the newest so that that's like totally standalone Mm -hmm. uh committed hardware but it kind of bridges the gap because like it can also be used as a controller for your computer as well Mm -hmm. um so if you're using it standalone like it does all the same stuff um, the only limitation is really that it has like eight audio tracks instead of 128, which like eight is sufficient for most right. situations. But if you're doing like a full band production, you'd use your software. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like if you uh, have a bunch of virtual instruments, like if you have the hardware just by itself, mm-hmm. uh, you can't really put those virtual instruments inside because there's not enough memory or storage and it just won't work like that. Right. So then you can plug it into your computer and still like get the software. So, so yeah, like I love standalone, um, but it really depends on the application. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, if I'm doing, um, like my, like the production that I usually do these days, it's like all MPC, like usually just standalone off the top. And then if I want to either do more audio tracks or, or do MIDI instruments, I'll do computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I have like a, a band in the house, it's all pro tools, which is all software. Right? right. Right. And like the benefit of that is just that it's flexible. I don't have to have a singular thing in my pro tools rig. If I have some like you know, limiter that I, I want that sounds really good. I can just buy it online and all of a sudden I have that update right. sitting there as well. However, like the new, uh, the new MPC live stuff, it actually has like, a, uh, it has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth chips inside wow. of it. They haven't been utilized yet. Like they're right. still like when you click on that page, it says coming soon. And right, so, right. Um, but the implication is, is that it's totally like hardware standalone, but right, right. You still have that adaptability that you would have if you had a computer environment. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's definitely like that bridge, you know, it still gives you that, that freedom. Um, when I was a kid, like for hardware usage, like I used to use a lot of cassette decks, you know? And yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. That, that was where it was at, right? Like we, uh, well, that's why I said Tascam, like why are they still around? Cause yeah. we had a Tascam four track. Right. Yeah. We used yeah, to totally. record all kinds of things on this, ta- on this yeah. thing, right? It was awesome. Yeah, those were awesome. And like, but yeah, they definitely have like some hard disk recorders as does Zoom and as does like mm-hmm. a bunch of other companies. But it's like, yeah, the benefit of the MPC live stuff is just that it's like, it's the best of everything kind of combined. So you can still do a hardware production, but still right. have that next level level freedom. Because like really any other piece of gear that I mentioned when I've used it, there's always like limitations, right? Like, yo, I want to do this thing. Like, oh, you can't really do that mm-hmm. on this thing. Because it doesn't have that function. It doesn't really. have yeah. it where this is like, you know, four or five years of development. So like all right. the things are, are in there and it's always, mm-hmm. yeah, available to do what you need to do. So you, um, you mentioned, like you said just now, you said when you have a band in the house. So are you still recording bands? Uh, yeah, yeah, somewhat. Like, so I, I do... Uh, I record like local independence. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like downstairs is like the, the jam space. So mm-hmm. I have like a drum kit and then I've run a, uh, a, a snake. Like I, I had a guy punch a hole in my wall. So that goes upstairs to like a tracking room upstairs. Okay. Um, and so like I'll put full bands in the basement and then cool, just do cool. And then work so. upstairs in the control room. Yeah. And just be able to hear yeah. it and set my levels and my mics and all that kind of stuff. I was so. just talking to another, I went to go see, um, do you know the band, a Wilhelm scream? 
They're yeah, like yeah. a punk band. They've been around for a long time, right. but um, they uh, they're from. Uh, Massachusetts, uh, New Bedford, actually. And they were saying the same thing. They got a house. It's the guy's dad's house. They have a control room upstairs. Mm -hmm. And then two floors down in the basement is where all the recording or all the instruments are, right? And all the mic setups and all that stuff. So it's a cool way to do it because you're sort of isolated from the the actual noise. And then all you're hearing is what's coming through. Mm-hmm. your mics and stuff right yeah it's very very pure and clean and like mm-hmm. when i do that because it is a home so i'll turn off my furnace i'll right. turn off the water heater you right. know like I'll, I'll take off anything that's whatever can p- be picked up yeah yeah totally and then just like have it set up but it, it's uh it's nice because i have like having a drum kit fully mic'd up and ready to go at any time it's just like such a oh you just treat. leave it so hooked up all yeah the time? it's just like it's set right so like uh, when we do band practice like stuff gets moved around just for like right. having space but sure but really like when it's time to record because like that that's i hate that the most about doing band projects is when you have to go into somebody else's space and you're uh-huh. just like setting up, you know? And it's like, if you're not paying hundred percent attention, like this thing's not going to be plugged into the proper, that thing. And it's right. just like, it sucks. It's a really crappy way to start uh, being creative and doing a session. Like if you start with frustration, so this way I can just have like on most weekends, I have musicians that, that mm-hmm. come by the house. And so they can just like, show up and I'm on my game because I haven't been fighting any gear at all yeah, during yeah. the day and they're on their game because they can just like sit down and be comfortable. Get ready to go and then yeah, just, and just do, yeah. do it, right? Like hmm. no no sound checks or anything like that. Just sort right. of start tracking. So so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like that, yeah. that's really why I came back to Cambridge was to be back around those musicians that I just like mm-hmm. want to support essentially, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. The um, I saw that you had speaking of drum kits, you had an electric drum kit on your mm. um, on your YouTube page. Yeah, the one of the videos. Yeah. yeah, that's a really cool setup too. That thing. Do you still yeah. have that one, or was that just sort uh, of like a? No, I, I sold that. Like I I did uh, a lot of the sample account stuff. Like I'll mm-hmm. sell it to the store. So um, I had it here because I was doing a a drum clinic in Toronto at a shop there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, and so, like, they eventually bought it. It was really funny because, like, Jer, uh, the drummer in my band, he's, like, he considers himself a real purist. And, like, he is. Like, he loves the analog stuff. And yep. so, like, I had it set up in the living room. But because I was selling it in a store, mm-hmm. I put, like, a, a sheet over it just so it wouldn't get dusty. Right, and so that, right. Like, when it showed up, it would be, like, pristine. Right. Every time we have band practice, I'd come upstairs and the sheet would be removed. And I'd be like, who's who's done this? You know? And it was always Jerry. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this thing is badass. I'm like, dude, like, I know. Stop playing with it. Yeah. Like, I have to sell that thing, dude. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's uh, it's it's all mesh, right? It's a full yeah. kit. Like, really cool brain on it as well. Um, there's a bunch of new stuff coming, too. Like, there's the uh, the Strike and the Strike Pro, which is like very similar except for it's a full shell kit so it actually has like the full drum shells and really like, has that that extra give to it and the, huh. the brain is next level like it has uh but what are the skins mesh still yeah still mesh yeah, yeah. yeah and then it has like piezo sensors inside and you can actually like there's a rotary knob on the back so you can move uh where it's sensitive on the so if you put right, it on the rim, right. like, you'll pick it up better there you can put uh-huh. it in the center uh, and then the brain has like volume for every single element. So if you want to like ad- adjust your mix on the fly, you can totally do that. Hmm. And yeah, it's really, it's super cool and it's, yeah, it's like, very affordable as well. So yeah. And I mean, I'm not a drummer, but I definitely can tell, like I have messed around with drums in the past. I mm. can always tell the ones that have the mesh skins right. always seem better than the ones that have the rubber 
pads. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Far. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's night and day, right? It's just sort of like playing something that mimics the thing or playing something that is the actual right, thing. Right, right, and right. Yeah, so those are, I think we're about, I don't know, those should be around in like another um, month or two. We'll have them in stock and then I'll do my video and a tour with mm-hmm. those as well. And yeah, I'm really, I'm still... The ones with the full shell you're talking about? Yeah, with yeah. the Strike and the Strike Pro kids. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so so they're coming soon. The public has been very, uh, very hungry for it. We actually announced that product two NAMs ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and it just took like a long time to get it to perfection, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that it was like market ready because like they don't want to release something that's not yeah fully cooked right mm-hmm. um so yeah there's been quite a few like very patient drummers that are just like kind of biting at the the bit sharpening sure. at the bit to to get the gear so soon soon that will be here and that'll be uh you know that that's the thing with canada is that we always kind of get the, the gear a little bit last you mm-hmm. know so like yeah, the, yeah. the consumer is uh yeah yeah i mean it's to be expected i mean we're like this you know our neighbor to the south there has way more people than we do you know yeah. what I mean? it's just it makes sense to develop the stuff and release it there as early as possible because right. there's more consumers you know like right gonna it's pay, just like you're it's gonna make uh, more money down there yeah totally so but it's uh yeah like all this stuff will be here mm-hmm. very soon which is which is cool you know like it, it'll be good for people to, yeah. to have those instruments to have this innovation so they can actually like you know go next level with what sure. they're doing so i often don't think that gear makes a musician but a lot of the stuff that's coming out is very it definitely doesn't make the musician but it it definitely like can elevate a musician right you know what it I mean? helps like, right like if you've got a guy that's an amazing guitar player and he's playing a really crappy guitar and then you give him something good like a real right. nice les paul or a nice strat you know totally. it makes a difference for sure it does yeah although yeah. then i think back to that jimmy james character that grabbed a two yeah, true guitar and like it was just like <laughs> and it was like the most amazing like and that that really gave yeah. me like because yeah. i i often like think that way like oh yeah the good stuff and like when he did that like for a while i was actually like bringing i was bringing the Schechter actually like mm-hmm. around with me because yeah. I, was, I was comfortable with it and stuff yeah. And, yeah, yeah and then he did that demo in store and i was like oh man if i'm like a a proper player i should be able to just like grab yeah. any random off the mm-hmm. wall and just like shred on it so mm-hmm. so i've like sort of gotten rid of those training wheels i decided not to tour with yeah. it yeah uh, just so i have no choice and like it's right. you know i can learn as i go like yeah, hey, yeah here's how to you know here's here's how a les paul should play right like, you right know, ways to expect that because yeah. i really just know the guitars that i've played right like right. the other ones like there's such a difference like from oh totally from axe to axe right so it's, oh uh, totally it's it's yeah. insane how different guitars can be even guitars of the same brand of the same model of the mm-hmm. same year can be so different you know right yeah and like yeah. playing that short scale bass has really screwed me up on like regular yeah it bases. does look like, it did look a little bit yeah shorter to me than typical you know yeah so all the frets are like much tinier like mm-hmm. they're much closer so mm-hmm. when you're doing your like speed arpeggios if right. i grab like a full-size bass it's like my fingers just don't quite right hit right. the same spot anymore yeah because right? your so, muscle memory is for this yeah the it's totally scale. adapted now so yeah. like i have an oscar schmidt in the basement that's like a full scale as well but mm-hmm. i just i never play it you know right. like it's always that that bass and that, i probably play that more than anything else in this room mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. sure so yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's amazing how everyone thinks you need this real quality or like what people consider to be quality instruments. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I went out and bought uh, a a true Gibson Les Paul and it was mm-hmm. just a studio. It was a tribute model, but I always wanted a real Les Paul, right? right? And so I went out and bought this Les Paul and what I quickly found out is that it doesn't play or sound as good as a lot of guitars that I have that were built in Korea. 
Right. Like my, I have a Dillion PRS copy mm. and I always thought that guitar was kind of weird. It was, it wasn't expensive, but it wasn't cheap either. Like I think I paid 700, you know, plus taxes for it back, back, you know, 10 plus years ago. Right. But that guitar still plays really nice. It feels really good. It's all, it's all maple. It's like a maple body with a maple cap and then Sweet. a maple neck and fretboard all one piece, right? Hmm. And it plays, it just feels so good to play, right? right? And then I buy this Les Paul and I feel like I want to play my Les Paul because it's the real right. quality instrument be. that yeah. I have. Yeah. And yet I find like the more I play it through my amps and stuff and, you know, just get the, f- the feel of the different guitars again because I've been sort of not really practicing as much as I should until the mm. band kind of talked about getting back together. Right. And now, I, now that I'm playing all these guitars, I'm thinking I might end up playing the Dillion for the shows instead of the yeah. instead of the Les Paul. Yeah, even though the Les Paul should be the guitar I would want to play. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But if it's like if it's not the most comfortable, like that. Yeah, and it doesn't sound as good. Like yeah. you know, like the Dillion originally had some you know okay pickups in it, but I put EMGs in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the EMGs in that one sound really different than the uh schecter with the emgs that i had okay the yeah. schecter that i had with the emgs was really shrill yeah you know cuts, what i mean yeah, yeah it was really like really uh high output like and i know emgs are high output pickups obviously being mm-hmm. active pickups but uh the the schecter was just it was too hot like right. for the 5150 even with the gain knob rolled back it was still too much it was just mm. ice picky you know right yeah it's all for the hammers right like yeah. that, that's what those are for just hammer yeah. action and mm-hmm. that stuff so mm-hmm. yeah it's um yeah every guitar as you were saying it's all like so different from one another like the the tailor i think it's upstairs where i have a, a tailor and i didn't even need an acoustic guitar when i yeah. bought it yeah. but i just i was working at a shop and like and some dude had bought it mm-hmm and it was way more guitar. Like he was a beginning guitar player and it was a yeah. lot of cash for t- this. And <laughs> Taylor. Yeah, first, totally. First and then he just like, he sat down and tried to play a chord and was like, I suck. What did I do? You know? So right. he, he brought it back to the shop and he passed it to me to return it. And I did like one E minor chord on it. Like just like a quick, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's, yeah, that's they're nice. nice. Eh? Like that is just and like, just this one, like it just had that, like, that thing to mm-hmm. it and so yeah i totally like i put it aside started sure. putting money down on it i'm just like yeah like i need this guitar and like yeah it's uh when when a guitar is is right for you you know it like you just can do one thing on it and be like oh yeah like that's tailors that's are I like mean. that like yeah I, I bought a tailor and for that same reason like like mm. the, the last job that i had i was making great money mm. and i and i could finally afford all the toys i always wanted you know right. kind of thing so I went to Long and McQuaid here in Cambridge, and they, you know they've got that acoustic room yeah. off to the side. And my buddy Rob and I went in there, and I played a lot of acoustics, you know, of all different price ranges. Yeah. And I picked one up, and I said, uh, and I started playing it, and it's like you just know, you know, right. like I picked it up, and you see the price tag, and you think, well, it's a Taylor, but it's the lowest end Taylor, uh, right? So yeah. it's not going to sound like that two thousand dollar Taylor because it's mm. only you know eight hundred bucks, right? And then you strum. And it's like, you just know, like I knew that was the acoustic for me. Right. And I said, Rob, listen. And I played it and he goes, that sounds great. How much is that one? 
I go, it's 800 bucks. Yeah. It's like you can buy like a seagull for like the same money. And seagulls are great guitars like we totally. were talking about before. Yeah. But a Taylor is like, you know, you expect Taylors to be these expensive acoustic guitars because everybody right. loves them and raves about them. Mm-hmm. But you can buy a low-end Taylor that sounds great if you yeah. find the right one. You yeah. Know? I don't think like mine was, yeah, totally the same like price range as mm-hmm. well. Like it just really, I, I wish I could remember the model of it. But like, yeah, it just, uh, yeah, they play so nice. And Yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I do like I love I love seagull guitars. Like seagulls are nice. My I, uncle just yeah. bought one again. He oh, just got back into playing and he same thing. He played a lot of guitars and he and he came to me and he said it was like around Christmas and he said, "You know what? I played a lot of guitars and the one that I really liked was a seagull." And I said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, cuz they're great guitars. Right. They sound great." You yeah, know, totally. like why why wouldn't you go for that one if it's what you yeah, like right. and it sounds good, you know? Yeah, it's all uh, apparently I don't know if this is still the case, but like it's old growth trees from Quebec. Like that that's all mm-hmm. the, the wood for, for the seagulls and and like for, you know, other brands underneath that that line. And like That's pretty cool. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like yeah, there's something to it. Like there's just something with like older trees that just have aged properly and Yeah. And I've like like the there's also something to do with age too, right? Like yeah. I, when I when I worked at Pirate in Toronto, um, a couple of times there would be like a new guitar that we would be recording for whatever jingle, and like, and they sounded too new, and so <laughs> yeah, like exactly. we, we would actually <laughs> like we would turn on a speaker and like crank the sound through it for the course of a weekend, and just like turn on the subs and come back and mm-hmm. like. And then it would be warmer or whatever mm-hmm. frequency we we had played through it, and so like, yeah, there's something to do with age too, you know. If you oh, buy definitely. Like a brand new guitar yeah. it just never is gonna sound like how it could. So a lot of new guitars sound really bright to me. You know what I mean? They right. just have that like, like you said, like that. They don't. They lack that warmth. You know? Yeah, they're tight, right? Yeah. Like the 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 particles. The, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like my old Epiphone Les Paul that I've had for years, years, like over twenty years. It um, it doesn't have that. Uh, or I mean, sorry, like it, it's it's kind of like screwed up now. The neck has like kind of like this weird, it developed this weird hump where the neck meets the body, just mm-hmm. just kind of like warping over the years. I probably didn't take care of it the way I should, you know, humidity right. levels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's what it kind of, it doesn't, it plays still pretty nice, but it's got a lot of fret buzz and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But that guitar has a sound to it. And it's like a heavy, it's not chambered like the new Les Pauls are. Like mm. it's still a solid body. It weighs a ton, but it's got such like a, and it's just got the regular pickups in it wherever, like it was made in Korea at the time. Those, mm. le, those Epiphones are made in Korea and whatever pickups were in it are what's in it now. Mm. And they have such, the, the guitar just has such a nice warm tone, you know? Right. And then, like I said, when I plug in that Gibson, and strum it's like it's got like these hot pickups in it that are you know paf style pickups and they're really like just kind of ice picky if you're not careful you know with your frequencies and you know if you don't mess with your tone just just right it's it's just doesn't have whereas the epiphone you plug it in you can almost set the knobs wherever you want and it sounds Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. you know so definitely like age does something to bodies of the the guitar and the sound of the guitar for sure I also, like, I, I often wonder about, like, the tuning of the instruments, you know? Because, like, I feel like, like, with, uh, you know, with the Blues Junior 3 that I have, it's super bright, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it just really has, like, a high cut to it. Right. Uh, when I was on in Vancouver Island, there was, like, a really great guitar tech at a, a guitar shop that I was visiting. Mm-hmm. And he actually, like, showed me what to do to 
roll off the frequencies, like remove this resistor and everything will be good. Oh, really? You know? And like, it's just sort of how instruments are tuned, you know, but mm-hmm. you figure like a lot of the, the folk that are yeah. putting these together, they have tinnitus probably because they're like guitar heads, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not hearing the same like high end frequencies. Like that's the stuff that goes first. So you're right. going to tend to like augment the highs if you can't hear them. And then right, if right. you don't have that particular ear, it's like, Ooh, that's uh that's a bit sharp. Like, you notice that when old rockers like master records, it's like, mm-hmm. Whoa, like that bright end <laughs> is just like, man, that's bitey. Yeah. Like, you know, and sometimes really cool. Like sometimes a good result, sometimes not, yeah. you know, it's uh, and I think you need to be careful with what you buy too. Like, like that guitar, if you're, if you're like a clean player or like a blues player, I'm sure it's a great guitar. Right. But I'm a high gain guy. I've always been, you know, I'm like, I grew up listening to punk and mm. I play playing punk and, and all the guitars I've ever had were sort of geared that way. And like I said, I've had like a PV5150. That's like a metal mm. high gain, you know, like really high gain amp, hot amp. Right. And I probably should have done a little bit more research before I bought that guitar. Yeah. I can but it was, that. it was the right price at the right time like and it was, that's it right you know you yeah. couldn't like i couldn't pass it up yeah like at the time it was like it was like a true gibson usa made les paul for like 700 bucks hmm. yeah. and that was when the canadian dollar was really good you know what right. i mean yeah and there was none left in cambridge i saw it on the on long mcquade site hmm. and i called stratford and i said before i drive all the way down there those are usa made right huh. and the guy says yeah 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 usa made Less balls. I go, and it's 700 bucks. Like, it's still, that's the huh. price. Yep. Drove down, bought it, you know, like for under 900, under 900 bucks, hmm. you know, at the door. Like, how could you, right, you know, you resist that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. And, and then I get it home and, you know, <coughs> bought, um, at the time I had like a, like a line six amp or something like that. Okay. But then, oh no, sorry. No, sorry. I already did have my, my, uh, 5150, but I wasn't really using it cause it was a little bit too loud for the bedroom. Okay. But then one day I like plugged it in, you know, and cranked it up mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, that does not sound good together. Just a bad combination. Yeah. The combo yeah. is such an important thing too. Yeah. Right? Like getting yeah. something to be is, yeah. Like there's uh like all, all the amps I have are tube amps, like everything. Like Yeah. The, me too. Yeah, totally. And it's just, there's something about that. Like, that warmth but i think like that's that's the kind of music i make like i'm yeah. not i'm not really a shredder by nature like when i'm working on something it's more like about the melodic right. nature and like and other instruments kind of you know tones in. important right and yeah. like you don't get that same like when i had that line six amp like everyone was like raving about line six at the time mm-hmm. and i got this little combo i got rid of my i had a 5150 head 100 watt head and a marshall 412 cab Mm. and god do i ever regret that was a such a good sounding head you know and that comp like that that mix that 412 marshall cab with that head was like beautiful you know got rid of it because i needed money bought Mm -hmm. a line six for because i was a bedroom player you know and just regretted it until i got a 5150 again because it never could produce that warmth that tubes have mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you just don't get it with the analog stuff yeah totally but yeah. again with like with the head rush pedal yeah it does produce those tones yeah it does that you yeah, know yeah totally and yeah, i even find like because like you have that as source but then because you can put it into your own amp like being able to put it into you know take like your many amps inside of the pedal yeah. and then put it through another amp and it's just like right and it's just it's so freaking juicy and and good yeah it's uh 
Yeah, I went to um, a shop in Mississauga with it, and when I called the store, they're like, "Just so you know, like, no way we're gonna buy that thing." Like that, <laughs> that was like on the phone. Like I had never talked to these guys right. before, but but yeah, I was tasked to go and find like some <laughs> cool guitar shops and like yeah. reading the reviews and watching their online videos. I'm like, "Oh, you guys are are awesome! Like the mm. stuff you're doing is cool. I'd love to have my pedal sure sold there." And so when I showed up, like right away, it was like resistance. Just like, <laughs> like what is this piece of shit that you're bringing into our shop? Excuse. <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry. That's all right. You um, good? Yeah, yeah, all good. <laughs> Coughing, just thinking about it, you know. It's choking me up. Um, but yeah, and so like, but then I I set it up. Like I threw it into like the Alto TS-212, like a really badass yeah. amp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had them play on it. And I had them dial it up, and at first they were like, "Oh, this is just a digital mess." Right. Yeah, it's they they have that expectation. Yeah, of what totally. That's they're be. yeah, totally like. And then they played it and went through a few, and then by the end of it, they're like, "This thing's really cool." Yeah, like, totally. Like, Tell us about impulse responses again. Like, what's that thing? You yeah. Know? And <clears throat> I even I said to them like, "I'm like, look, like you guys have like." a room full of ridiculous amps like mm-hmm. you, you have money waiting here like you could do impulse responses of every amp here and sell yep. it as like your own feature pack right right do mods on your amps and like sell those amps as like virtual stuff and yeah keep, keep the source amp like why why not and so yeah they were really into it like it's uh you know they're still deciding hey like are our customers into it because like it's a vintage guitar shop yeah. and that's the most important thing but uh yeah it was really it was great to have like resistance, but then also, you know, great to know that all I had to do was plug this thing in and just like have them hang out on it for like half an hour to be like, Oh, like, okay, this is not what we're expecting. Right. Like this is something entirely different. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, but yeah, it's the, the dudes that designed it are just like, yeah, they're just very and what good. Is, what does that thing weigh? Like it's can't be that heavy, right? I think it's like 18 pounds. Yeah. So, 18 pounds. Yeah. So, it's, so you uh, can have, you know, like every tone you want in right. an eighteen pound package, you can plug it directly into a house PA. Yeah, totally. You know, and like I'm pretty sure, like I was telling you about my my buddy Nate, that's the touring. He's a drummer in a couple of touring bands. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the one band that he tours with, they have I think the Helix is what they use. Right. Yeah. And they just take that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no cab to lug. Like my fifty one fifty combo is eighty five pounds. Right. You know, and it's upstairs in my bedroom. And when I find, when I have to lug that thing downstairs, which is few and far between mm-hmm. um these days, it it's a task. You know right. what I mean? Like I almost need like a dolly cart or something because it's so heavy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you could just take that pedal board, like that's so intriguing to me to be able to get that kind of tone mm-hmm. and that kind of like we said, like the seamless switching and all those those key features yeah. in an eighteen pound bag. And take it, you know, across the world if you have to. Yeah, and be safe with it. Like, that. that's the thing for me. Like, my, I have a trainer, like, base head and and cab in the basement. And, Mm -hmm. like, it's a 1964. And it's weighs a ton. It's weighs a ton. And it's fragile. Like, when, when I first bought it, the little, like, pilot light didn't come on. And then, like, at my last show that I held, like, somebody gnarled up the controls, just had, like, gain staging, like, mm-hmm. like, whoa, what, this thing's about to blow up. Like, mm-hmm, just, like, mm-hmm. some things were cranked and some things were pretty much off. I was like, whoa, right. I don't even know what happened. Uh-huh. But then the pilot light turned on. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. this thing now works better because this happened. Yeah, had to be but pushed a little bit. how many of those can it take before it's like, you know exactly. what? Like, I don't like you. I'm, I'm now broken. And so, for 
for every show that we're doing now, like when I leave the house, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to bring that, that right, right. cab. It's going to be all like, cause the bass tones are really badass too. So I yeah. can just like go and plug into that of and course, still dial yeah. up exactly what I want. And, and just like, yeah, and be that guy. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's why I never liked playing drums in bands because it's just so much crap, lugging. right? Like yeah, it's just all the lugging. lugging. And it's a, a big part of your night, you know? So this way you can just yeah. like plug in the cable. Well, even go. Shiloh, like when I was talking to her at the, you know, at the Hot Kid show, like yeah. I asked her, I'm like, what are you playing through these days for guitar? Mm-hmm. And she's got that Music Man yeah. uh, 410 combo. Yeah, great amp. Great amp, but it, that's a heavy amp too. I think that's like sixty-five or seventy yeah. pounds. Yeah, it's a beast. And I said you're lugging that thing around, eh? Like, yeah, like a head. Like, if you get a small low wattage head, like most clubs these days, mic everything anyway. Mm-hmm. So you can get you can get away with a really badass low wattage head, like the Hughes and Kettner stuff, or mm-hmm. and a two twelve cab, and you know, like you can carry that around no problem. It's right. light. You know what I mean? Um, like the days of having a hundred watt JCM 800 head and a 412 cab mm-hmm. are gone unless you're like a major arena rock right, band. Yeah. You know, if you're playing small clubs, you don't need that anymore. <coughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah. to even be able to go smaller now, like you said, with the pedal board, if you can get the tones you need, why well, would you not do that? And that, that's the key, right? It's, it's getting the tone and like, I know... I know a lot, like, there's a lot of resistance to going digital with stuff just because of, like, what we've all experienced, right? Because it's, like, well, it's yeah. been low sample rates, low bit rates, like, exactly. not very good processors. But, like, yeah, this just sort of, like, covers it. And it's cool because it's a brand new brand. And this is, like, the first mm-hmm. product that came out in that brand. So, right. like, you know, just sort of imagining what is possible once all that technology is sort of paid for it's like it's gonna be right incredible like just like having uh the right mix of of product designers with like people with with good taste you know and what they're putting together is just like yeah it's a killer combination and like oh absolutely uh, yeah it's really i don't know it's it's really exciting like there's never been this many cool yeah. instruments coming out you know and it's nice to be like you know, like we talked about before, like a purist, like, oh, I need that tube tone. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's something to be said for a nice tube amp, a nice warm tube amp. But at the same time, like it's, you know, I struggle with it for sure because I came from, you know, the era where if you didn't have a tube amp, your amp sucked because the solid state guitar amps were garbage when I was growing right. up. I had a terrible crate solid state stack mm-hmm. that was just brutal i sold it to mike actually mike oh, yeah. Donnie, yeah and he he liked it but yeah i think uh, i remember that, that yeah, yeah but i i hated it because it just wouldn't give me the tones i wanted you huh. know yeah and then uh and it wasn't until i got a real tube amp that i appreciated how warm those things actually are mm-hmm. you know what kind mm-hmm. of the, the the varied amount of tones you can get right. but then like the, the new the more i see like this kind of digital stuff advancing the more I lean toward it because it's like so much more convenient. I'm getting older. I'm getting lazier. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lug shit like we were talking about before. Totally. Yeah. And you know, like if you, like I said, if you can get the tones out of it, why would you not use that? But then I have still have this pull like, no, you're going to play a show soon. You better make sure your tube amp is tuned up because that's what you're going to need. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, there's just the internal battle that goes on in my brain. Oh, but, I totally dig that you know. as well. It's uh, you know, it's just sort of like for me, it's, it's for me picking my, Picking my battles, right? Because yeah. like, if I if we play live shows in the band, like we're not we're not making a ton of cash these days. Like nobody right. really makes good money, so it doesn't like to take something that's really like vintage and like my treasured sort of exactly. thing. Exactly, you know, to have to 
possibly pay to get it fixed mm-hmm. after the gig. It's just like, why am I? Like, yeah, exactly. What, what am I doing? Like, what? This does not make sense. And so I get it if there's no alternative that sounds good. But with this stuff, like, it's just, yeah, the head rush is good. It, it will yeah. do it, you know? So. And if it's originals you're playing, like, I get it. You want to bring your best sounding stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, your nice, warm, like, like, um, you know, I keep bringing up Hot Kid, but that's like the latest show I've seen. So it's like, right. it's still fresh in my head. You yeah, know what I mean? Show, yeah. That, you know, like his, his bass rig, that right. uh, Ampeg that he's got yeah. sounds amazing. So yeah, if you're totally. playing your own stuff, of course you're going to want to bring your A game, you right. know, yeah. as far as tones. Um, but like you said, if you're playing covers and you're just showing up to a club, mm-hmm. why would you not bring that? You know, like right. the head rush pedal, like... God, is it ever a lifesaver? You you waltz in with two bags, a, a gig mm-hmm. bag for your guitar and a gig bag for your pedal. <laughs> and I could like record <laughs> yeah. down Pete's Ampeg and like put exactly, it exactly, so, like, it's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's even like it, it's just that thing where you don't have to like, you don't have to sacrifice, and that's yeah. so freaking sweet. Like that's just uh, it's what musicians should have. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely like, and and I've now traveled with it like on a few flights with Air Canada. I've seen like Air Canada dump it off the plane onto the tarmac, Jeez. like, and and it's survived. Like it's uh, you know, it's made it's hardy, for that. right? Yeah, it's hardy. It's made for that kind yeah. of thing. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Like I'm I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked to be traveling with it. Yeah, like, I, I think it's definitely the wave of the future. I think you're going to see more bands doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they're bringing like, um, you know, some kind of if they want a cab, they're they're still going to be plugging into something like that. I think you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Like, if you're touring the world and you don't have roadies, like if you're a band that has to lug your own shit, right? Like, you're going to get smaller and smaller because it's easier for you, you know? Yeah, even if you have roadies, like, have them carry cool lights, yeah. you know, have them yep. carry cool other stuff. Right, like, right, right. I bumped into uh, the bass player from Honeymoon Suite, which is, like, an oh, old, yeah. like, Canadian yeah, yeah. rock mm-hmm. band, and and we were doing a, a trade show at a music shop in Richmond Hill, and, like, and he was one of the featured musicians, and he was just sort of walking on the trade floor, and it, it was a really fun setup. So we had, like, the strike kit... Uh, from Elisis and Tim Root was here, who's like the designer of the the strike kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the head rush on one side. We had Mike Massens, who's like been one of the designers and also just like a top player. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, we had another head rush going into like a TS two one two that was all bass tone, right? Mm-hmm. And the entire day was spent just like of having. Uh, kids come up and jam with us. And like, if they played bass, I would step down. If they played drums, Tim would step down and we just sort of rotate it. So there's always like a backing band for these, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, preteen kids to kind of have fun with. Right. Right. But yeah, like the honeymoon suite bass player, like he saw this and he came up, he's like, Oh, that thing's cool. And he started like asking me about different tones and I dialed it up. And he's like, so, you know, none of the band needs to bring an amp. Like mm-hmm. you just see him like, equating what that made like for money wise with them. Oh yeah. It's like, man, that's a lot of more money in my pocket. Of course. Yeah. 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 You know, to carry it myself, you know? So yeah, which is how it is nowadays. Like it's just, uh, it's tough to get really good paying gigs and there's fewer and fewer, um, chances for musicians to just be a full-time musician. Like it's just not as likely. So it's, yeah, you have to react. You have to like, yeah. And I feel like it's always been hard to, you know, quote unquote, like make it, you know, right. But yeah. I mean, like nowadays there's, there's so much content being put out all mm-hmm. over the place. Like, you know, like we were talking about like on YouTube, like, you know, everybody's got a band that has, you know, a social media presence and right. they've got YouTube pages where other videos are, are up and it's so easy to, to put together like a very, um, 
a quality music video for mm-hmm. your music with not a lot of money these days because DSLRs right. don't cost a lot of money, but they record in HD. Right. You know, like it's it's easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper for bands to get their music out there. Mm-hmm. So it's I feel like it's tougher than ever, you know what I mean, to make mm-hmm. it. And like you said, of course, the gigs are going to be low paying because... You know, like, why should we pay you this when we can pay the next band who's just as good? You know right. what I mean? And we've, we know them because we can see them. They've got this content out and they're just as good or better than you and they're going to work for this, you know? So mm-hmm. it's this com- weird competitive thing, especially for cover bands. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen, like, it's tough to get good paying gigs, you know what I mean? Yeah. I also, like, I feel like there's not, like, and this isn't true for all mm-hmm. <coughs> city centers, but not, people don't go out to as many shows as they used mm-hmm. to do. Like, mm-hmm. it's a... Uh, when when I was in high school, it was like every like Thursday is when the concerts would start, and yep. then it would be like right until like Sunday night. We'd be watching shows here, there, and mm-hmm. and it could be like big acts, or or it could be like just like yeah. your local pals. But it was always that like, that was how we did stuff, and I, yeah. I don't think that. <clears throat> I don't think people do that as much these no. days. Like, there's a, uh, you know, it's, um, you see clubs yeah. like the Silver Dollar shutting mm-hmm. down. Like, El Macombo was shut down. Apparently, they're going to open up again. Soon. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I guess uh, they're doing uh, a bunch of like investors bought it. And so they're going oh, to, good. Uh, there's going to be like a really next level recording studio on one oh, floor. Oh, wow. They, I heard that they're actually like pinning the foundation and like digging the basement down. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and so then they're gonna have like multiple venues, which is really exciting. But sure. like uh, the the Madison, did that like I heard maybe that was shutting down. Maybe I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but but yeah, it's uh you know it's just sort of like it's the state of things. It's like you know if you can find a community that really digs music, mm-hmm. and I say that about Ontario, but then like you go to places like uh, Quebec and mm-hmm. Montreal, and like people are still like really enjoying and engaging in the live music scene, mm-hmm. but, but it's just like. I don't know. I feel like yeah. Montreal maybe has a deeper culture that's just like a yeah. little bit more uh, out there, a little bit more social, less about watching the telly and mm-hmm, sort of like mm-hmm. staying in your home, you know, it's yeah. a, you hang out with your pals in a pub and then yeah, you go yeah, and yeah. see what everybody's doing. Right. So. It's, and it's, again, it's a content thing though. I feel like, because like you can go on YouTube and see, you know, a live performance of your favorite band and you can see it in HD and you've got surround sound in your house. Right. And so a lot of people just feel like, why would I pay? And concerts are getting ridiculously expensive now. Right. Yeah. You know, like, because that's where the artists are making their money. They're not making mm-hmm. them on the album sales anymore. They're making totally. them on the touring. They're making it on the touring. Yeah. So you get these people sitting at home watching their 60 inch or 70 inch screen or whatever, like, you know, right. they're, they're up to nowadays, like affordable 60 inch screens yeah. in the highest of definition with surround sound. That sounds amazing with a subwoofer that makes it feel like you're in front of the stage. Yeah. And they're thinking, well, I can do that for pennies compared to what it would cost to go to see that show live. It's you know? so true, but, like, but it's, it's not the same. Yeah, you know? It's so lacking. It's yeah. like, uh, I remember like like uh, I went to a concert with uh, one of our one of my coworkers and like pals at a Quebec Joseph and like and we were both like hanging around like outside after and we were both kind of like still shaking like just sort of dancing like yeah that was really because it was a great show of course keys, keys and crates were playing yeah and and then he pointed out he's like hey he's like hey try to try to stop moving right now and I was like <laughs> I was like I can't stop moving man he's like he's like I know me either man that was a great show you know and I'm just like shit like that that's like that's what live music is about it's just like you get so there is jazzed a, up and there it's just is like, a definite 
palpable energy right. before your favorite band even comes on the oh, stage. Yeah, totally. You're sitting there, you see their roadies are setting up their stuff and there's house music on or whatever, yeah. like the, you know, the, whatever the sound guys playing while they're setting up and you feel this thing yeah. and then they play and it's like, yeah, and it's crazy so, energy. Yeah, and then it takes you like like I've been to shows where they you know they don't let out until one a.m. Right, and you can't wind it. Good luck winding down and going to sleep before right. three or four yeah. in the morning. You can't. Yeah, totally. Because you just you have this thing, right? Yeah, the last show I saw like that was uh, was the OCs like in in Toronto. Like mm-hmm. they're playing at the Danforth Music Hall and like. Oh my god! Like it was just yeah, it's exactly like it. Just the lead up was amazing, and then like the performance was just tight and perfect and like mm-hmm. ridiculously dirty and just like awesome. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, and it's it's a shame. It's a shame that people don't uh, strive to get that kind of rush anymore. But mm-hmm. but we do like we spend majority of our time like at home or on our phones yeah, or yeah, what yeah. have you. You know, it's uh there's a different mental state to people. It's really funny. Like the more technology that we get to reach out with people, the mm-hmm. more inward we're behaving. Of course. Like I know. Not, it's so weird, eh? Like yeah. we've never been able to reach more people at once. And so we you just know. reach nobody. Exactly. It's all just like this thing on the screen. Yeah. There's yeah, no connection anymore. Yeah. Know? It's really, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, cause like I can do as many takes as I want to for my videos. Like, right. You know, like, and that, that's, right. that's the thing. Like I was talking to, like when when Vect was doing his like he was talking about a video that he posted he's like you know what like the amount of takes like that it took like yeah like everybody's like oh that's so incredible I can't believe you just did that thing live and he's like well yeah I tried you know, it a couple I, I of took times that a few yeah. days like I right. definitely like had things I struggled with and and but because that's all you ever show is like yeah. the top thing that you did it's like okay like of course there yeah. it is like you know and it's uh, yeah. it's different than live like that I think that's where a true test is for 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 people playing instruments. Absolutely. It's just like okay, you can do the studio thing. That's cool. Like maybe you had the right mix of beer and water <laughs> that day, so you're hydrated <laughs> and kind of drunk, and that yeah. sounds awesome. But but yeah, it's um. But yeah, like then again, like watching back to play in Regina, like he just like nailed that performance too. Like the dude is like super super on yeah. point. But but that almost makes oh yeah, you, that makes you almost like yeah. That makes you almost like analyze your stuff that much harder. Oh, of too. course, like, if of you're course. Really good. It's like, well, I could do that better. Like, well, that's the other thing about seeing the live performances. You really get a feel of of who can recreate what's on their record and who can't. You right, know, yeah. And yeah. if a band can recreate, like, I'll never forget seeing Weezer at the ACC. Like, mm. I I got tickets to see Weezer at the ACC, and I thought, well, this will be a good show, but it won't be great. You know, it'll just, it's just Weezer. Like, right. how good can Weezer be? You know. And like, don't get me wrong. I love the blue album and Pinkerton and all that right. other stuff. But when I saw that band play live, they blew my mind. Right, they were yeah. so good. Yeah. They were able to replicate the sounds on the record like a hundred and one percent. You know what I mean? Like right. it wasn't even just like a hundred percent. It was like better than the yeah, album. Than the yeah, album totally. You know. And it just like I've seen a lot of bands, and I I feel like I every show I go to, I go that was the best show I've ever been to. But legit, Weezer was the best show I've ever been to, mm-hmm. and you know there's something like like you said there's something lost with like watching videos of people doing things right yeah because you're you're never like you said you might think if you don't know better you might think that was the first and only time they did it right but well, they tried 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 whereas if you yeah. see a band live they got to nail that on the first try yeah because it's choice. live right in front of your face you yeah. know yeah totally. it's it's amazing yeah it's a it's a different energy but then it, like it does it takes effort and like to go to shows and so i feel like 
Yeah, I feel like we just, I feel like, like, North Americans, there was a good book that I read once, and it said, like, North Americans are walking around with their shoes on too tight. And, like, and I really, like, that and, like, their underwear and just, like, the amount of work <laughs> that we're expected to do, I, I really think that there's, like, there's something inherently wrong with the drive. You yeah. Know? Like, there's a lot of, of life to be lived that... Oh, totally. That you can, like... And even in Canada, like, you see it outside of Ontario. Like, you see people just, like with a much healthier pace of like self expectation and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's, um, you know, not like I, I've seen some great shows in Ontario, but man, you hear about these clubs closing and it just is like, ah, yeah. come on, people like go to the shows more, well, like check even it. Cambridge. Like you remember like Cambridge had the, like, um, like Fiddlers was around yeah. and there were, I remember there was places to see shows Like we had the refugee cafe when we were growing Stephanie's, up, right? Stephanie's, yeah. these places that would hold shows. And like, where have you seen a show lately in Cambridge other than like the, like the Roseanne bar, like we were talking right. about, Yeah, totally. there really isn't anywhere to see Like even if a, a semi big band wanted to come through, there's nowhere in Cambridge for them to do that. Yeah, it's true. You know, like yeah. there used to be the, what was the big club that was near the Delta years ago? Like the way before our time, uh, like the in the seventies. Oh, I don't even. There was know. a club there, and apparently, like a lot of big bands would come through there. Oh, uh, are you talking? It was more like the Matador or something. It was called. No, uh, you're talking. You're Styles? thinking Lulu's. Lulu's, yeah, 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 totally. Well, there was Lulu's, which is again, yeah. it was close to Cambridge, kind right, of right. Yeah. It was pretty much in between Cambridge and Kitchener. But then there was also a place called the Matador. I think that's what it was called. Don't mm. quote me. And I hear people telling me that were around back in those days. That bands would come through, big bands, and they would play right. there. Um, you know, and it's kind of an in-between spot like Maxwell's. Mm-hmm. Like Maxwell's, it's sort of, if you're going to see a, a fairly big band there, they're coming like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, right. you know? Yeah. Because if it's a, fr- a Friday or Saturday, they're playing in Toronto, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you get these sort of in-between dates where a band can pick up a show on their way to the next city. Mm. And I feel like the Matador was probably like that as well. Mm-hmm. And Fiddlers was like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like bands like, and like, I'm not really into them, but Theory of a Dead Band played there right, and like, yeah. you know, shit like that. So, but we don't have that anymore. Yeah. Like you, you can't, there's nowhere to go see like real good live music. Like my buddy's cover band, uh, Shred Penner, mm-hmm. they play down at uh, the Kiwi. Yeah, it is actually, it's, it's amazing. It's really clever, yeah. um, <laughs> they play at the Kiwi a lot and, yeah. you know, and it's packed like they, they played the, uh, St. Patty's Day down there, okay. and it was packed. I went down to see them. It was just unbelievably uh, packed. And they put on a great show, um, but it's covers, you know? it's Yeah, totally. It's great music, but it's not their music. You know, I want right. to see live, original music, and totally. unless you really go to Kitchener, you're not going to see that around here, you know? Yeah, it's, it's too bad, because there is, like, there's a ridiculous amount of talent, like, in, in Cambridge, but it's just, yeah, it's not... There's not many outlets, and what what's happened is is that people just have their own their own outlets, right? Like yeah. they've just discovered their own, yeah, places to do that. Like I yeah. do these like fierce mule frequency uh, factory jams where I just like invite a bunch of people over, and like oh, yeah. that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'll I'll let you know when we do another one. It's it's yeah. really it's fun, and it's just like randoms uh, show up, and then mm-hmm. we just like people hop around on instruments. Sometimes I record <laughs> cool. them, and like I've never actually like I've only I record them and then just share it with all yeah, the people yeah, that yeah, were yeah, there. Yeah. I'm just like here's a Dropbox link. We'll yeah, that's it, cool. You know? <laughs> but yeah, it's um, you know, you find alternatives, but like we all know how we can play. Like you know, it's yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. And like I know for the Green Morning, like uh, Tina works. Uh, at the Grand Cafe downtown. So she has a lot of like regulars that she's like become, okay. you know, really yeah. knowledgeable about. And they always are asking like, Hey, when can I see your band play? And it's like, 
oh, we're doing this house party and then we're going to do that house party. Right, and like, right. And you're not going to show up to like somebody's right. house party. Yeah, like yeah. you're going to, oh, which bar are you playing at? Because like, right. then there's like, you know, the ability to not have to be social and you can just go in and have a drink and sure, like, sure. and you know, enjoy it like that. So it's, uh, yeah, there's a need for it, but, mm. but who knows? Like, who knows what, like, I know, as you said, the golden Kiwi does stuff, the black badger does stuff, but it is like smaller it's covers and yeah. smaller. I'm really interested to see what the gaslight district is going to bring. Like that's mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. that's a really, yeah, it's exciting to me because yeah. it's like, it's half a block away and stay on yeah, the street. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, like, a, a, is it something like 400 or 500 new residents are going to be like yeah, in this neighborhood? Yeah. And so there's going to be a need for those kind of venues. And I hope, I hope that people see that need and invest and like, and make money off of it. Right. You know, it's uh, Eva and I, like my, my girlfriend, we've definitely like talked a lot about what that could mean for, for how we do stuff. Like right. She's a, a really gifted seamstress. And, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of people that are about to move into town that are going to need their pants hemmed. Yeah, like, it's true. You know, like how yeah. how does that turn into a business, you know? And yeah, like, yeah. so there's... And there's not really a lot of those businesses around. Like there's one at the mall that I used that sucked. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they just, they, they botched my pants. Oh, like, no. yeah. And like, uh, uh, you know, it's just, I didn't want to, you know, I could have gone back and bitched and had them do it again, but I was just like, whatever, you know yeah, what I mean? Where, yeah. where I used like a small, uh, tailor, there was a tailor in Hespler that I used, mm. did him perfect, but he's not open anymore. Right. And yeah. so, you know, he was around for a little bit and he was an older guy and then it was gone. And so, like you said, like there is definitely room for businesses like that because mm-hmm. where people i find like nowadays they want quality stuff you know what i mean right like yeah. for a while we transitioned into just china made cheap 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 right and now we're going back to sort of handmade well crafted mm-hmm. items you know even if they cost a little bit more you're getting a better crafted item that you can have for a longer period of time you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh yeah, it'll be. Uh, I'm interested to see what the new yeah. neighborhood brings. Like the city has already started ripping up, like all of the streets and repaving them and putting in water and just doing all these like yep. beautification type stuff. And so it's really, I don't know, it's cool. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that means mm-hmm. for the environment around. You know. And yeah, I'm. I'm interested too. I just, I, you know, it's just funny you hear about these things. Like, you know, they were only supposed to be whatever it was, eight story buildings. Right. And then all of a sudden another 20 stories. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, hang on a second there. Yeah. I know how that stuff works. Like I worked for the city. That was my job. Oh, okay. So I know how some of that stuff works. And while I, you know, it wasn't my area of expertise. Right. I know that there is a site plan, you mm. know, and when it calls for something and then it gets approved, that should be what it is. Yeah. By the time it's built. Yeah. But all of a sudden it turned in like, when you go from eight stories to 20 stories mm-hmm. or five stories or whatever it was to 20 stories, yeah. that's a huge jump in people. Right. And what does it do for traffic? We already have a yeah. terrible traffic flow through this town we do, during yeah. peak hours. And now you're adding that many more people, that many more vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's silly to think they're all going to be within, you know, walking distance of their job, like in Toronto. Right. Yeah. It's not that way in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So, you're going to have all these more vehicles, but I feel like a lot of those details get neglected, you know? Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm almost a little bit worried about it, what it might do. It, it's interesting yeah. to see like the influx of people, the diversity it brings along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like a lot of that stuff is going to end up becoming like student 
owned places or not owned mm. but student rented type places because it's so close to the school of architecture and all right. that kind of other stuff yeah but who knows i mean who knows yeah. what it will be so it's it's the future is a bit uncertain but you're right it, it's it's exciting on one level and kind of scary on another yeah you know? i definitely like every time i think about it i put it in like probably like a very optimistic light because like it's yeah. uh you know just for me it's like the direct surroundings it's sure. like the home right so so i just like i definitely want want success and there's something to like envisioning that and i really i hope that uh the lrt that's in kitchener like i hope that this project is inspiration for them to bring mm-hmm. it uh over here you know and that that would be it would be nice that'd be the optimum situation because then like all that traffic woes yep. you know would be maybe not fixed but alleviated yeah not a not 100 percent, yeah. but it's definitely yeah. alleviated if they did that for sure yeah. Yeah. and i just i don't know like the the gaslight district in vancouver i just have such like uh yeah i just i love that area so much and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of cars it's just like tons of pedestrians mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. milling about and yeah, yeah yeah it'll be um it'll be interesting it'll be like you know a, a definitely a big change but you take a look at cambridge and over the past like even the past three or four years since i've lived here you know mm-hmm. we have uh the bridges is now in downtown galt right? right and and they they have some interesting ways of like so the bridges is a uh it's like a shelter right? right for for people that are just like having a bad spot in life yep um but ultimately what's been happening is is people have been getting shipped in from other communities yep. Um, and then the policy at the bridges is like, if you mess up once, you're never welcome back. Right. So these people are sort of removed from these communities where they know a lot of people. They're dumped yeah. into Cambridge and then right. they're right. given one night and then, then they're on the street. And then they're on the street. Yeah. And that, that's really had a diverse like impact into yeah. what Cambridge is, right? Because the yeah, population right. keeps growing because there's available rooms but meanwhile these people have been through those rooms are now in the street but still in the same town because they can't afford to go back to their own like comfort zone where they have community and uh so i i kind of like i view i view that as a completely necessary evil to be honest like because like when when i see like the state of of all of canada like there is a severe mental health addiction problem from yeah, coast yeah. to coast. Oh, like, for sure. Um, and you run into it more in some places that are warmer, like mm-hmm. Vancouver or, yeah, or yeah, what yeah. have you. But it's a necessary evil because in Cambridge, we were living in this like bubble forever where it just like was not part of the day to day. Like we had some, oh, totally. We had some characters, but everybody knew, oh, totally. Everybody knew Adrian, like, you know, and yep. like he was just like that dude that was just kind of following the kids around downtown mm-hmm. but he was harmless because we all knew it was adrian and we knew where mm-hmm. he lived and like you know but now it's just like a different vibe but that's yeah hey, that, that's how things are I like c- i can remember being like you said like downtown when we were like 13 12 13 right, yeah and not feeling unsafe in the least yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. But now, like with the bridges, and the the thing I struggle with the bridges is, you're right. People need to see that side of society and deal with it and help these people out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with the bridges, is I feel like they don't necessarily help anybody. They kind of give them a roof over their heads. You right. know what I mean? And 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 some food and stuff. Yeah. But they also have a policy, like, or at least what I had heard at one time was that they had a policy where you can't, it can't be a permanent residence. So you have Mm. to be out of there an X amount of hours a day. So you would have this dumping in the morning of all these people with nowhere to really go that would just dump into the downtown. Totally. And so now you've got, you know, people that are making sort of other people uncomfortable with depending on, 
and maybe not through any fault of their own. They're just making people feel weird because they're not used to seeing that kind of stuff, right? Right. And so it kind of transformed the downtown a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. from where I wouldn't really want my nephews wandering around down there at 12 or 13 years old on their own. They're not that age yet, but Mm -hmm. it kind of feels like where my parents felt okay with it, it kind of makes me feel not okay with it anymore, you know? Yeah. So, like, I have mixed feelings about that place. Like, I think it was a really good... um, it's a really great idea in theory, you yeah. Know? But I think the execution has been somewhat lacking. You know? Yeah, I mean, they—it's relatively new. I just hope I hope that they sort of like recognize what is happening. And and I do actually know a few characters that work there and are involved with mm-hmm. it. Uh, all very like you know, doing it for the right reasons, kind of people. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it's yeah, just—it's yeah. sort of like it's that that thing. It's it's just like such a a difficult task because you're given government funding. So that comes with its own set of rules that you have to abide by that are not in your choice. And then you have, um, you know, just so many, so many bits of red tape just to help somebody out, you know? And it's, no, I know it's not a, it's not an envious situation. No, no, absolutely not. Like, it's just really, you know, um, but yeah, like I, I've definitely, what what I've been doing is that, that I, like, when I'm in the hotels, there's always, like, spare shampoos and, like, yep. toiletries. So I just, mm-hmm. like, I collect those. Sure. And then I have just, like, baggies in the car. Because, like, I can't afford to give cash to of everybody. Course. But yep. I can, like, give you some, like, bathing supplies. It's a great idea, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? It's a great idea. And so it's just, like, you know, I think that that's the kind of stuff that the community can do i i got that idea because actually ian light's dad he he took to just carrying around a bag of apples in his car he'd just go to the market and buy Hmm. a giant bag and like somebody was asking for money like i don't have cash Mm -hmm. but here's like a couple of apples yeah absolutely at least you'll feel a bit like better after that for sure yeah so yeah Yeah. it's uh you know i think it's a very small way to help out a very huge problem you know yeah absolutely yeah um i don't want to have a, a very abrupt change of gears, but we're coming yeah. up on two hours here. Which oh, is, shit. Yeah, we've been doing this a while. So <laughs> wow. I, I didn't want to end this without talking about your YouTube channel because it's. Ah. I know we've talked about it a little bit throughout the show, but <coughs> um, it's doing pretty well now. Like I saw a couple mm. of your videos have got like, the one has like 11,000 views or something on it. Like oh, that's yeah? that's doing really good. I don't even know which one that is, but you, that's cool. But you recently had a post like you were very close to like, was it 100,000 Oh yeah, like I got, yeah, I passed 100,000. Wow. I think I'm at like 100 and probably around 120,000 views awesome. now. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of stuff like about YouTube and like ways to, to like, to reach the masses number one like um i share my stuff within music right Mm -hmm. so like if if they take it into their social media uh outlets it boosts it automatically right um but also like making short videos that that seems to be really working well like when i started i would do like 12 minute videos i covered a lot of stuff but then i heard that if you have something that's going to be liked in a playlist Mm -hmm. it's like a collection of other people's right right that's like way better and so making something that's like yeah but it's uh i've been really lucky like it's uh it's been uh really fun i got my first like google check like just a couple weeks ago, nice. which, which felt pretty good it's just Absolutely. like oh, sweet i just got paid for some monetization and uh yeah yeah and all the uh all the videos are done by dan evans who's in a band dumpster and so uh he's a really great dude i actually he i met or i've known him forever mm. like he's being trebendal and stuff oh okay um, yeah 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 he was like the guitar player in that band cool. 
Um, and we were at a party and he was like, oh, my computer like just cacked out. I have no way to do videos. And he was like totally a video dude. Mm -hmm. And I had a computer from Avid because I was doing a lot of trade shows. And so I was like, I was like, dude, do you want to trade like you shooting videos for a computer? And he mm -hmm, was like mm -hmm. totally into it. So then sure. that, that's how that started. And he just like, he's well paid off that computer, but he just has kept with it. And like, I try mm -hmm. to help him out however I can. Like if you need something, I'll help him with sure, it. Sure. It's uh. Yeah, it's been really nice to have him doing that because I'm just so busy. Like when I started doing mm -hmm. it, I was like trying to edit videos. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is like, he editing them for you as yeah, well? Because that is a that. huge time like saver for someone that knows oh, yeah. how to do it, you know? Yeah, and, and just like sitting down, like the, the head rush videos that we shot, he sent me a message. He's like, yeah, there's like 45 minutes of usable content. And like that's a ridiculous yeah, amount it's of, a lot. of time, especially when you're cutting it into like two or three minutes. Yeah, videos, yeah, totally. Right? Um, but yeah, like he's just, uh, he's very quick. He's very willing and, and it's really like what he really enjoys doing. Right. So it mm -hmm. gives him a chance to sort of like, uh, work on the craft, but also build up, a, um, you know, a, a list of stuff that he's done and like, and, and he's totally like, uh, he's totally available for hire. So if anybody mm -hmm, sees mm -hmm. his videos and just like, oh, like, man, I wish that guy would. What's his name again? Dan Evans. Dan yeah. Evans. Okay. Yeah. And he can, like, I'm sure you'll have links to stuff. Like, if anybody wants to contact him, like, just send me a message and, like, you know, I'll connect you with Dan. Cause, like, yeah. Cause, yeah, I want him to succeed. He's very, he's very good at what he does and he's uh, very efficient. Like, he just. Yeah. There's, uh, there's definitely something to be said for editing and being quick at editing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, that could be the difference between some, like, someone that knows what they're doing could probably do it in. 10 minutes or 15 minutes where it right. would take somebody who doesn't a couple of hours, Yeah, totally. you know, to get all the edits just right. And the camera changes and the syncing of all the audio with the video and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. He's definitely on point. And like, it, it's pretty nice. Cause like I'll, I'll do all the sound. Like I do all that kind of stuff. Cause I, that's like sure. you know, my, my specialty and mm -hmm. very important for these videos. Oh yeah. Totally. And, uh, and then he like, also I'll set up all the gear down here. I'll get the pro tools rig running upstairs. Mm hmm. Uh, and then he'll come in like maybe 45 minutes after I start setting that up and he'll just do all the lights. So then like within a morning we're properly set up mm -hmm. and then I try not to demo the products until I've like taken them on the road for a bit. Cause then I would have sure, done like, familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. I've done like 20, 30 demos. I've like witnessed what's really helped people. I've witnessed what people are like, what? That doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. I don't mm -hmm. understand those words. And so right. I, yeah, it helps me ref just refine what I'm actually doing. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like um, it's a fun way to work too. Like, it's oh, just I bet. Like, yeah, I, I definitely ha have ambitions to like uh, have a lot of uh, focus on that because it seems like that's where people are learning stuff. And it's oh, totally. Like, you know, and but it, like right now with my schedule, I'm just I'm turning out a video probably every month to two months, like a series of videos. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, it's just because I'm I'm always like in hotels, and so like, of course, it's, uh, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I definitely like. I hope that that just keeps on going, you know, and just like we just keep on getting cool gear, and and like yeah, and then that I can keep on figuring it out. <laughs> that is still within my realm of like yeah of knowledge. Okay, what does this button do? So oh, know, totally, so, man. Well, you yeah. definitely you're very uh, like I said, you definitely got the knack for it. That's yeah, for sure. Like you. everything I've seen on that YouTube channel and, and all the stuff you post via Facebook and all that stuff has all been excellent. Yeah. Thanks. Um, where can people find your stuff if they want to? Yeah. So there's, there's a website that's uh fierce mule 
productions.com okay uh, it's like an angry donkey um and there i post all the youtube videos with a written up article so if i feel like i didn't really cover something how i wanted to then i'll just have like a follow like a blog like, post kind of yeah it's yeah. like a blog post with multi videos and then if you just youtube brennan galley like you'll find uh the entire like series there as well um but yeah on the fierce mule productions.com i also do like a bunch of performance videos mm-hmm. and, and there's ambition I, I post my travel schedule so if somebody's like you know has a piece of gear they want to ask questions or if they mm-hmm. are thinking about buying something and they want to see it in person and they want me to like show them how it works before they mm-hmm. buy it so i that's cool i post all that stuff like yeah, my yeah. schedule there as well um <clears throat> yeah and it's that that's all done by dave fox like so the guy that i had here recording yesterday because everything that's done in my studio i don't uh there's zero like it's a zero cash studio right, right. So yeah, everything is just barter, and and cool. so like yeah, I do I do music for people, and then they help me with websites or they help me with video production. I I have uh, it's a the, cool way to do it. Yeah, it makes it really like it's there's a lady Nancy Wallace that that's been working for me. She's uh she's from London, uh, and she's a really like wonderful singer songwriter, and she lives in Montreal right now. Oh wow, um, and she's like uh yeah beautiful like singer, beautiful player. But then her day job is uh, editing technical documents, right? <laughs> so, so like I, I write these articles, and yeah. then they get filtered from her, like by her, right. and then like that pays for studio time. So by the time it comes out, it has this real like, you know, like you know, it could be like a Samsung like yeah. you know user's guide, but but yeah, instead yeah. it's like my website that's just <laughs> like you know been set up to read very efficiently, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, and I'm always like I'm always looking for like everybody has like a talent that they can sure help each other out with. Right. And so it's, it's really, yeah, it's cool. It's a, uh, there's a lot of, I have, I feel like I have a lot of wealth, but not a lot of money, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, totally, man, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. And so I think it's a happier way to live because the, the tax man don't come collecting. Of course. You know, it's yeah. just like, it's that, that thing. I'm just kind of doing it based upon my own terms, which is super nice, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, man, that is amazing stuff. Yeah. You're, you're a fascinating guy. Um, oh, I can't, you. I can't say enough, but yeah, I'm really uh, glad you agreed to do this. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm ecstatic whenever somebody wants to give up their time, you hmm. know, to be on my show, like, you know, who am I? But I love talking to people. Um, this gives me an outlet to actually like get these conversations out there because I know so many interesting people like yourself and it's been nice to be able to you know, put that those conversations out there and have people listen and understand some of the things that I know or that I've come to know about these people. So mm, really I'm really happy you're able to do it, man. You're an awesome guy. Um, we're over two hours now, so we'll, we'll stop it here. We've Good been idea. talking for, we, we could probably talk for another two hours about right, all this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, but, two, um, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd love to do it again with you at some time yeah. if you'd like, um, and talk about, you know, some of this stuff in more detail. Yeah. Um, awesome. But, uh, thank you very much for being on. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. And uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. So, um, Again, guys, thank you for listening to episode five of the I Got Ask podcast. Um, it's been great. If you like what you hear, uh, let me know you're you're listening by hitting the like button. Um, share this with your friends. If you like what you hear, share it with your friends, and that's uh, that's all I can ask. All right, thank you very much. Uh, stay tuned for episode six. Thank you. <laughs>